Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hello folks, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Grave Plot Podcast. Before we get started, I want to tell you if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash graveplotpodcast, uh, you can get yourself a free audiobook. Um, talked about this before, but it's pretty sweet. You know, I think usually it's like a $14 a month membership or something and you get one point and I think most books cost one point, but, uh, you know, you try it out, you get yourself a free book. Um, it's pretty sweet. Um, anyway, so, uh, like I mentioned last week or sorry, last episode, uh, Taylor is not with us uh, for this one. He's on the East coast attending a wedding. Um, but I'm your faithful host, Skeletoni, and here with me today is my dad, uh, John. Um, you might remember him from our Stephen King episode way back. Um, so thanks for coming on, Dad. Yeah, my pleasure. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, so I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. This is the second time we've had to do this. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, well, you know, I'd like to be honest with my listeners. Um but we just had some computer issues, as we have been known to have. Um, and so now we're recording again. Um, anyway, so how are you doing? Uh, doing okay. I'm, I'm trying to recreate the delightful banter that we shared yesterday uh, <laughs> that we uh, <clears throat> managed to lose in the ether. Yeah. I'm hoping we can recreate it for your listeners today. Yeah, it, you know, it's irritating because we've had so much issues so so many issues with our computers like we've used we're like on our third computer that we use started out with mine started and then we went to taylor's and now we're using actually taylor's girlfriend's old computer which seems to be working out so far um i'm not a fan of the quality that it puts out taylor doesn't seem to know us but what the fuck does he know his girlfriend he's got to support (laughs) um Coming off a troubling loss from uh, our Seattle Seahawks, um, more so troubling because uh, they mostly didn't show up. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, I feel, I feel like one or both of us say this uh, at least once every season, but it's like, oh, these look like the Seahawks of old. <clears throat> well, I know it's not a, a sports cast, and it's not a. a uh, it's, it's it's off topic, so I won't go <clears throat> off on railing on what happened and why it happened. But uh, when these guys are paid what they're paid <clears throat> and uh, just don't show up with everything they have on top of ineffective coaching and play calling, right. it's pretty much uh, a foregone conclusion that you can't win, no matter if you are Super Bowl champions or repeat Super Bowl visitors. And that's what we witnessed today. Yeah. So. For you three fans that might be listening in the St. Louis area, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, yeah, so. Um, oh, uh, want to thank anybody that might be listening that came to Drug at Cinema Live uh, a, couple, a couple weeks ago now. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, we plan to do it again, hopefully pretty soon, but you know, we're still banging out the details with that. Um, but uh, when we do set something up solid, that we'll um, be sure to let you know. Um, I guess that's that's all for discussion. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what the uh, what the protocol is for your uh, <clears throat> for your agenda. Do you go over news and articles? Um, yeah, we do. Okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> I, 
Well, it's just Taylor and I usually just bullshit for you know five to ten minutes, depending on how much we have to talk about. And the expectation is one day someone's going to pay you to listen to that? Still get my mind wrapped around the whole podcast thing. We're not doing this for money, man. We're doing this for the art. Oh, so you intend to be poor. Okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for the support, Dad. <clears throat> Just want to get a, a perspective on where my oldest son's headed. You never believe in my dream. Uh, but, um, yeah, so why don't we just go ahead and get to uh, Speaking of which, did you see that? I did. <laughs> was horrible. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, start out with horror business, um, as we are going to do. We'll start out with some real world. Real world horror. Um, uh, a babysitter in Nebraska uh, was actually watching after his uh, girlfriend's kids, uh, his 29 year old Glenn Oliver. Um, Apparently, according to him, he was instructed by the the two boys' mother, uh, their ages four and six, uh, instructed to make the boys watch Mommy Tears, which of course is kind of a combination between a movie and, uh, and a thriller and an actual uh, biopic of Joan Crawford, who is of course known to be nuts out of mind. Um, now, you know, go figure, I, two boys who were six years old didn't want to watch that movie, so um, he figured the best option was to uh, tape the boys with duct tape to chairs, um, force them to watch the movie. <laughs> maybe not the best way, it's a way, but it's not maybe the best way. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's effective. <laughs> I imagine it was effective, uh, depending on the doctor. I, I mean, I can see people frowning upon it. I know, you know, it's it's to each his own. I, I, I don't know. I might give tape, give him a fighting chance. Sure. <laughs> if you can break loose of this thing, you know, so Nebraska, humid during the summer, they they, they kind of have a fighting chance. Sure. Um, yes, they're taped to the chair with duct tape, uh, by their, um, heads, wrists, ankles. Um, so, you know, they were <laughs> strapped down good. And it almost makes me wonder if you tape their eyes open. Um, um, have you seen Mommy Dears? Uh, I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but not the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, Joan River, Joan River. Joan Crawford is good way back even before my time, but it's a horribly overacted movie about a horrible overactor. <clears throat> um, granted, superstar of her time, but she was nuts. She was batshit crazy, mm-hmm. especially when it came to her, her kids. Um, so uh, it would seem that the method used by this gentleman in Nebraska is, is appropriate for the subject matter at hand. Um, again, I'm not sure it's the tact I would have necessarily taken um, <clears throat> as a parent. But, um, mom might have had something to say. I think mom would have interceded, yeah. Uh, it, uh, it, it 
brings to mind the whole philosophy of how we introduced you and your brother and your sister to uh, to horror. Not so much your sister; she was had enough near separation to you. We mostly focused on I mostly focused on terrorizing you and your brother. Sure. Um, and being a, a, a horror fan from when I was just a kid, um, I uh, figured indoctrination pretty much involved scaring the living shit out of you at, at a very, very young age and kind of, you know, numbing your senses a little bit. Right. Building up your tolerance. And uh, <clears throat> so one of the standing arguments your mother and I had from the time you were about four, Andy about three, was uh, the fact that I'm letting you hit her watch R-rated horror on VHS. Well, you know, it wasn't just the scary stuff. It was all the requisite titties and swearing and everything that comes with it. Right. You know, it's the, the package deal. Yeah. The good stuff. The good stuff. Um, and where I was telling her, this is, you're insane. This is all make-believe. It's just, the sooner they learn to make-believe, the, the sooner, the better off they'll be. Parenthetically, the sooner they understand to make-believe, the sooner you'll get off my ass and leave me alone about it and <laughs> stop interrupting my horror movies. Um, but uh, I was almost I was almost in doubt of my own philosophy, and thinking that maybe something like duct tape might have to be the next step. When uh, there was a movie that came out around '85, the year you were born, maybe right around there somewhere, and um, it, it started about the ugliest person ever made, um, named Grace Jones. And if you guys don't know who she is, look her up. Troubling woman. Yeah, singer, I think, actor, I think, um, celebrity for being a celebrity, I think. I have no idea what skills she actually brought to the table. But she was the lead in this movie called Vamp, where she was this vampirist who uh, made meals with the guys that she banged. And uh, <clears throat> in one particular scene where, uh, uh, you know, you get to imagine Tony in his little one-piece footies at about four years old is sitting back on his haunches in front of the TV. His mother and I are sitting back on there on our couch and... She's looking... Actually, she's not watching TV. She's giving me the hairy eyeball the whole movie. Um, and I'm pretending not to notice because there's a lot of uh, sex in this movie. Not graphic sex, just sex. Well, if I remember right, it's, they're a bunch of hookers, aren't they? Yeah, a bunch of hookers. And every, you know, every time she bangs some guy and she blows a nut, she turns into this vamp and eats him. Right. Okay. Fucking Black Widows do it all the time. And it's, everybody thinks it's okay. <clears throat> um, so anyways, one scene where she's riding this guy. And... Um, <clears throat> They both uh, they both blow a nut and the camera angle changes to straight uh, straight up above and she throws her head back in her, her full makeup with like three hundred sharp sharp teeth and the whole vampire makeup just screeches as the way Grace Jones could do that was her claim to fame and uh, I mean she screeches and even on my little our little uh, uh, mono television set it filled the apartment with a blood curdling scream. And Tony was sitting back there, and he turns his head and looks back. And I thought he was going to say something kind of profound for a four-year-old. And <laughs> he matched her scream. Uh, he screamed, and he started bawling. He, and I thought that was pretty much the end of Tony's childhood horror uh, uh, just experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was a long, long time before I could uh, I could talk to the old girl and let him <laughs> watch horror with me again. Um, but uh, as you can see, he, he caught up and actually... Uh, Led the old man at, uh, at, at, at uh, taking it into the 21st century. He's actually podcasting about it now. So, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, I did not have to use duct tape or staple guns or any other restraints. It was just, you know, my manly authority that uh, right. <clears throat> that brought order to the situation. You know, I can use myself as an example and, you know, arguments with my wife. It's like, well, you know, if you're going to try to show our kids Harry Potter, which 
I'm very opposed to, uh, then I'm damn sure going to show them a bunch of horror movies. She's like, well, then fine. You're going to deal with uh, nightmares. All right, I'll deal with a, you know, a few months of nightmares once I establish that it's not real and it's awesome. I don't, I don't recall a single nightmare event with any of the three of you. Really? Nope. I don't, if there was, maybe mom got up, handled it, and I was none, none the wiser. But that would not be her style. She'd make me pay. Right. <clears throat> so I have to believe that there just really wasn't an event, and if there was, it, it was so infrequent that it doesn't even register anymore. Mm-hmm. But no, you guys, uh, you guys pretty much adapted. Now, being the good father, I had to offset it with the at least some some matching degree of Disney and right. whatnot. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, there was no uh, no pulling punches on horror in the household, and um, <clears throat> so I guess the only you know lesson there is that um, I'm not sure what the lesson there is. I mean, it sounds like <laughs> that the, if the if the insane girlfriend wanted him to make her kids watch this movie, hopefully she's duct taped in a cell somewhere <laughs> for handing out an edict like that to a, a no win scenario for the guy, right? Uh, yeah, and you know these kids have actually been removed from the home because a, a neighbor who had you know habitually just stopped by the house. Just she's just that neighbor that'll just stop by. Um, she took a peek in the window, saw what was going on, snapped a picture of it, and then actually went in casually and said, "Hey, do you mind if the boys come and help me clean the house?" And dude didn't have, seem to have a problem with it, so of course she brought them back to her home and called the cops and the rest is history um all uh the children uh there there was actually a third child that wasn't involved is uh a younger younger child maybe in the middle somewhere i don't know um but all three kids have been removed from the house of course um and uh, this guy glenn oliver he is facing felony charges of child abuse and false imprisonment and it should come to no surprise to anyone uh, that he is currently on parole, was currently on parole. Mm. Um, Pretty much fucked. Yeah. <clears throat> now, wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> wouldn't it be an awesome end of that story if uh, the, the, the lady in Nebraska <clears throat> was the wife, sister, uh, or mother, Jerry Simpson? <laughs> this would be an entirely different kind of story. <laughs> be interesting. Yeah. In fact, in my mind, that's where this is going. This is how. That's how this is going to end now. In my mind. I don't know how it really ends, but just I like it better. So the guy's fucked. Okay. Next. Yeah. So next up, uh, kind of falls in line of real-world horror, I guess. Um, something really tragic for the uh, the horror community. Um, master of horror and horror legend, uh, Wes Craven, passed away. Uh, I'm sure most of you have no doubt heard about this by now. Um, he died on excuse me, uh, August 30th in his home in uh, L.A., um, he was 76 years old, and he uh, died after a 
know if it was long or short, but a battle with brain cancer. That's that. <clears throat> um, because the uh, it doesn't seem like the masters like that are, are breeding enough good quality offspring. Yeah. You know, that's it's if they were... I don't know what the ratio should be, but if they could knock out a three-to-one ratio of three newcomers with that kind of imagination and quality and balls, mm-hmm. uh, then they would have, uh, you know, life life fulfilled. Yeah. Or, you know, career fulfilled. Um, and I don't you know, don't know that he did. I mean, in, in the the lost audio from yesterday, we mentioned was Adam Greed and someone else I didn't recognize. Or kind of his, he kind of mentored. Oh well, a stretch of the definition. But Eric England, former um, guest, uh, director of Contracted, first Contracted, not Contracted Two. Um, yeah, when we had him on, he actually asked him what his first like, inspirations were, and like what really uh, brought him to horror. He cited uh, Scream mm-hmm. and the Scream movies. Um, of course, some of Wes Craven's work, um, and so you know, for for people like you know my age, or even your age, or you know, anybody in the middle, you know, if they're talking about Wes Craven, they're talking about things like Nightmare on Elm Street and um, uh, Last House on the Left, and uh, uh, people over the stairs, and Hills Have Eyes, his older work, you know, and for him to transcend generations and put out a new series that's going to inspire a new generation of directors. That's yeah. something. Um, well, he was hitting a stride when I was when I was a kid, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he uh, he was a name that we were all getting familiar with. But you know, like I said, Last House on the Left, <clears throat> um, the most awesome fucked up movie of its time of of, of, of an era, actually. I mean, because it, when you, the shock of that movie as you're leaving the theater, um, if you had the wherewithal to, the, to, to to have this kind of contemporaneous thought, it's like, wow, what a, what a fucked up guy would put a movie together like that. Yeah. Who green lights on like that? It's not like it is today, where anybody with a fucking cell phone <clears throat> can make a movie. You don't have to have anybody green light it. Yeah. You know, but back, back then, you did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even indies. You know, you mean independent movie. Someone has to be willing write a check and arrange for distribution. Yeah. The last house on the left was just insanely perverted uh, <clears throat> in what it delivered. And uh, so, you know, my my generation, when we are in our you know, teens, we're going, man, this guy's messed up. Mm-hmm. What's next for him? Right. <laughs> this guy's fucked up. I want to see what's next. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, <clears throat> so those weren't classics until he began to make the real classics, like you know, like not yeah. And goes, oh, what's great? Who's that last house on the left? <laughs> you know, that sick bastard that did last house on the left, and all the other equally sick stuff. Like, so anyway, that that uh, that genius didn't come out as genius uh, until he uh, he started pumping out those big mainstream commercial hits, right? Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, but yeah, he's someone that yeah, you hit around that he transcends uh, two two complete generations, and yeah, I mean when you start te- duct taping your kids to chairs on the third generation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, 
to, and, and you know, he's one of those few people that could really, like, genuinely be considered uh, like the master of horror. I mean, you know, you, you, you get other people, um, you know, let's say like Dario Argento, um, John Carpenter, um, Tom Holland, um, Toby Hooper, you know, guys like this, you know, <laughs> masters of horror. But Wes Craven, for him to, he he had that position and that ability to, like, make a movie like Nightmare on Elm Street, and not necessarily create a genre because you know before Nightmare came out, we also had Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween. So you know the genre, the the slasher genre was already kind of there, but for him to really create. Um, an icon at that point um, that had staying power. I mean, it wasn't just a guy behind a mask. I mean, you had to have some character behind it Mm -hmm. and um, also just really develop the slasher genre. But then for him to, what, 20, 30 years later, um, for him to satirize, satirize that, and make fun of it in a way, um, with kind of his own creation and scream. You know, not not a lot of these masters of horror would really have that ability or um, uh, wherewithal, I guess, to really think that that far out of the box. Um, <clears throat> well, one of the for me, any one of the best uh, um, attributes someone of any any celebrity, and that's that's just not literally entertainment industry at business, anything, anybody who can be successful, a couple of things, a couple of elements have to have really ring true for me. Got to, got to be successful. Otherwise it doesn't matter. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and, um, you have to be able to be uh, self-deprecating like you're talking about. You got to be able to poke fun at yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter if you can poke fun at yourself as much if you're not successful. If, if, if number one doesn't occur, number two is good for, your general well-being, but it doesn't. The masses don't see it unless you've been successful, and then you can go out and make fun of yourself. Right. Um, and and, and uh, Wish Craven did that. Um, and third is uh, is paid for it. You know, you've got to take what you've what you've accomplished, what you've achieved, even if you did it all yourself and you had no help. <clears throat> um, the best thing you can do for your 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 industry, your fans, whatever those people that are important to you, what, the best thing you can do for them is, is pay that forward be giving to, to hand the reins of that tr- train and hand the reins over to someone who can pick it up and carry it and uh you know number one number two clearly he, he was you know he's, he's got those locked up and that's why i mentioned earlier about uh, the the mentor uh, the mentees mm-hmm. you should call them <clears throat> if you got guys that are latching onto that and not recreating what he did but carrying on uh, carrying on the torch yeah then he's you know he's going to be on and just killed him. right he accomplished in, in in my life personal life professional life all of that those are the th- those are the three big ones you handled those three um within your career you've, you've, you're the best yeah and i think he was yeah definitely um, he did something that and you kind of touched on it that <clears throat> uh uh when i you know someone my age growing up uh with the slasher uh, slasher genre taken off um and te- you know toby hooper basically I'm going to say he pioneered it with Texas uh, Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. That was brutal. 
I mean, last house on the left we talked about a second ago was uh, was sick and twisted and perverted. Yeah, and of course brutal by nature. Um, the the uh, the terror, the terror uh, that uh, of of just a of a, you know what became like a Terminator type, you know, nonstop killer mentality. Toby mm-hmm. Hooper, he, he nailed that with Texas Chainsaw. Horrible movie as far as technically, yeah, script. Acting, you name it, everything that they were supposed to make that movie good was, was shit. Yeah. yeah, the cinematography was awful. But I've seen it. I don't know, fifteen times, I mean, about twelve times. Um, <clears throat> everybody I know has seen it dozens of times. It's just one of those things. It's just it's 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 a rite of passage. Yeah, it's a movie you see and you know, and in hell, you know, most of us know the script just because it was so terrifying. Um, but it was that mindless violence, um, and that kind of gave way to. To uh, to Jason, you know the 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 slasher, uh, the whole slasher movement, we'll call it. Craven did with Friday the Thirteenth, and I'll be honest, I've told you just before, I never really cared much for Friday the Thirteenth movies. I just never never liked them. Yeah, I never liked Freddy Krueger. No, wait, Nightmare. Oh, I'm sorry, Nightmare. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you can edit that out later. I meant Nightmare. I just was never a big fan. Yeah, but I recognized their quality, and I recognized one thing: is that he gave a face and a personality to terror mm-hmm. um, he gave it a, 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 a in fact I want to say it in reverse a personality and, and, and a face yeah um, and um, I'm sure there's all kinds of cool stories about who was supposed to be cast for that because I don't I don't think Robert England was the primary choice and I think you and I have talked about this but I can't remember he, he was like just hanging on the lot or something I think he was he was like an accidental selection or something like that and it, don't quote me on that I'm just something I'm picking up from broken memory banks here mm-hmm. and point being is no question Robert England nailed it and he gave it that personality and that that you know made Craven a genius as far as he took this thing <clears throat> that was scary he didn't forego the scary part of it he actually could make it a little tongue-in-cheek without giving up on the horror aspect of it he was still terrorizing kids still had clueless parents had all the elements you know they're clueless adults rather than all the elements that made it scary mm-hmm but now it has a face. Now it has a name yeah. and, uh, and an identif- identity. Um, <clears throat> and that was somehow even scarier, mm-hmm. you know, on top of the, the concept that you just, you know, when you're at your most vulnerable is when this guy shows up. Yeah. That, of course, was, was brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's uh, last episode, uh, you know, Taylor and I, we recorded the episode before he had died. And um, the episode was actually released after he died. So in between that time, Taylor and I each kind of took some time to record uh, kind of our own personal thoughts um, about uh, Wes Craven, and um, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, shit. Let me let me pick up let me pick up from (laughs) while you while you try to recapture your thoughts. Um, No, I mean there there were some uh, you know some genuine geniuses. I mean uh, what what Carpenter did with uh, the thing. Mm -hmm. I still think that's in my top five horror movies of all time, just because it was so classy the way he did it. Monster that's scary as shit that you can't get you can't get your arms around I mean literally but you can't identify exactly what it is it went away from that identifying with a face and a, and a personality but it was scary it was just dark enough but not too dark they're just helpless enough not quite that helpless um, <clears throat> they can't quite get their shit all together mm-hmm. uh, as a team 
but they kind of sort of do. Um, and uh, then uh, just enough special effects to make it uh, make it all gel. So I thought Carpenter did a did a brilliant job with that, <clears throat> just as I thought you know with Craven did with with uh, uh, Nightmare, and then again with Scream. So you got these guys that stood out, you know, with 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 Craven being clearly one of the pioneers. Yeah, and they stood out with taking. Um, what could have very easily been a dying genre. Think about it. Slasher movies. Just how many can you produce? How yeah. many can come out before it's like, this is just stupid. Mm-hmm. This is just gratuitous violence for the sake of violence. <clears throat> and uh, evolve evolve it without actually selling out. Now, when you start to get, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 17, you're kind of you're selling out. Um, <clears throat> or, you know, how many you know, Night of the Living Dead spinoffs did Romero do? Yeah, had a high, big tax bill or something he had to pay. I don't know why he did them because they were hor- they were horrible. Yeah, <clears throat> so there were you know there comes some of that where you know they're just you know what the motivation is usually money, um, but um, but for the most part these guys took that that genre that probably should not have had more than about a ten year lifespan and continued it to this day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean you know and Craven, Craven was on top of that 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 uh, that. Uh, I'm looking for that. He was on top of the heap as far as mm-hmm. <clears throat> the, the guys that made that happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that, that's something that maybe not so much nightmare, but definitely all the other slashers, they became victims of uh, copycats. Yeah. You know, it just became a, a by the numbers mm-hmm. genre um, or subgenre, I guess. Um, not a lot of copycats as far as nightmare goes. Um, Maybe because it was just a concept that was so hard to recreate, but not yeah. just duplicate. Um, but um, yeah, he had a he, he created a built-in copyright mm-hmm. just by giving that character the identity. How could you? How could you? You pirate that? Yeah, it'd be impossible. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, to his credit, I mean, obviously, the Nightmare on Elm Street series got worse after each one. Um, I mean. I think the well a lot of people might burn me at the stake for this but I honestly think the third one's the best uh, Dream Warriors um is that the gay one the gay one <laughs> oh no 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 that's that's number two that number two or all that <laughs> the really uh heavy handed gay subtext yeah, yeah. Was, and when it, I remember when that came out Farthest thing from anybody's mind. Right. Watch it now, though. This is like, what the? Hell well, you know, the, the, the guy that played the kid in that movie, he, he is actually gay. I, that's probably I mean, hey, a lot of more. I don't think he was out back then, but I mean, he is now. No, because he came out back then. You got shit beat out of you. Sure. <laughs> um, you got some stick time. <laughs> um, but then he, you know, he he directed the first, wrote and directed the first one. He was gone for the rest of the series, but then he came back and actually wrote and directed uh, New Nightmare, which a lot of people, I don't personally consider it part of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I consider it kind of its own separate entity. Um, but there, there are a lot of people that would consider that to be the best Nightmare movie. That was four, right? That was, if you want to put it in sequence of the series, that's seven. That's oh okay. That's the one where they're playing the actors playing themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I like that one. Yeah, that's good. Conceptually, I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and and he came back for that one. Yeah. yeah. So, and you could see the the uh, 
the skill of the old master at work right. because that was a uh, um, he gave it again. I keep belaboring this. So I don't mean to for your listeners, but it's a <clears throat> he, he gave a new identity to the kind of terror it is. Like it, it, it transcended the came out of the screen. Conceptually, I thought it was an awesome idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Wes Craven. Um, he was seventy six years old. Um, survived by his wife Aya and two children from his first marriage. Um. So yeah, he will definitely be missed. His 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 presence will be missed in the horror community and in film. I mean, not seeing another Wes Craven film is going to be different. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there's that that uh, that youngster out there who says, "Nope, uh, everything I learned, I learned from Craven, and I'm going to carry that forward." Hopefully that guy or girl is out there. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned the two kids. I didn't realize he had any kids, but I guess no reason to think he didn't. But imagine being raised as a child of <laughs> someone like Wes Craven or John Carpenter or Stephen King. Yeah, it's but come just on. strange. Yeah, come on, kids. Ahead. I'll tell you a bedtime story. <laughs> no! So this is something that I find personally troubling. Um, Taylor and I have bitched for months now about how awful the new Ghostbusters is going to be. We are thoroughly convinced that it is just an absolute train wreck waiting to happen. The one little piece of uh, not faith, but like the one thing we've just held on to for dear life is the fact that Bill Murray's not going to soil his hands with this movie. Well, that's changed. <laughs> um, that was That's actually news that's been revealed now for probably about a month. But um, he act- did an interview with Vulture um, and kind of talked about why he's appearing in the movie. Um, he did say that he originally had no intention of being in the film, which was the impression that I got. Um, but he said that the additions of Kristen Wiig uh, and Melissa McCarthy changed his mind, calling them a, a great hope and saying, I like those girls a lot, and Paul is a nice fellow. Um, so, of course, being directed by Paul Feig, that we, you know, Taylor and I have talked about this to no end. Uh, Not a big Paul Feig fan, huh? I can't stand him. And I can't stand Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I know you and Mom had like have a soft spot for her or something. Oh, not soft spot. I mean, it's uh, you know the comedy is easy to watch. It's not complex. You can do it while you're you know paying your bills and stuff, and <clears throat> still have a laugh. Um, and I mean, you got to give credit where it's due. In Bridesmaids, she pretty much killed it. She pretty much stole that movie. She wasn't even the funny part of that movie. I though. thought she was. She stole the movie, um, but in in a, in a very <clears throat> she stole the movie, in my opinion, in the midst of a very very tough cast, who were you know uh, who was it? Uh, was the bride Rose Byrne? She's not really a comedy actress, but Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph. <clears throat> um, Maya Rudolph was the bride. 
Oh, Rose Byrne was the, was the, was the bitchy friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Um, anyway, but thing is, she had uh, a cast in there where she could very much have been a uh, a, a minimal player, and I, I, and most people, I think, I think she pretty much stole it. But that being said, um, <clears throat> none of her solo movies, none of her starring roles have gone anywhere, and I get that. Yeah. Um, she uh, gets bad scripts, probably gets bad advice. Um, but make a ton of dough, you know, uh, every time she knocked one out, the how many, how many thousands of, you know, actors out there do that? Look at Jim Carrey. The guy knocked out some pretty good movies and they all turned to shit at 20, 22 million a movie or something. <laughs> like, you know, he stopped caring. Yeah. The thing about her is though, is that she's in my mind, she's like the female Jack Black. She's a one trick pony. She has one character and I'm just, it was, it was funny in like, um, God, what was maybe what was the first movie I ever saw her in? Um, fuck, I can't. Maybe, maybe it was Bridesmaids. I don't know. But just playing this mess, yeah, and just like a, just a disaster that you find gross and repulsive. That's like her shtick, mm-hmm. and it's like the, the 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 whole concept of a character actor. That's something that should have died in the 50s where it belonged well in the movie you're right she is one trick pony well and the first time most of us saw her in that character was bridesmaids Mm -hmm. very very funny she's a pretty substantially different person in the tv show that's fair okay mike and molly Molly. um still funny still a starring role um and uh, I mean, to say she is a starring role. Billy Gardell is a, is a supporting actor in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, relative to the small screen, again, it's a it's a static role, one trick pony. But that's what TV shows are supposed to be. Yeah, There's supposed to be a lot of uh, dynamics in there. In the movies, though, yeah, it's supposed to be able to show some versatility. <clears throat> it's not there, yeah. and that's probably what, what you're talking about. I get that. But as far as this overall Ghostbusters thing, um, as you. Recall, I've never liked Ghostbusters. I never thought it was a good movie. I love Harold Ramis. I love Bill Murray. <clears throat> um, always a you know big Rick Moranis fan from the SCTV days. Yeah, Mackenzie Brothers, Owl's characters. He put the <laughs> Mel Torme. <laughs> I'm sorry, going on and on about SCTV, but um, um, individually, I love those guys. I thought the movie was stupid. I thought it was just a kid's movie. And then when they made a second one, oh, my God, this wasn't funny the first time. But then sequels, you know, they, they come out because they make money. They don't come out because, wow, that was a an artistic uh, uh, win out there. Let's go embellish upon it. Yeah. No, let's just, now let's go make money off a movie that did good in the box office. And right. So they could have done uh, fucking Ghostbusters remake or reboot with the Little Rascals. I kind of care less. It didn't make any difference to me because I never cared for the first one. But I do recognize that it's a classic. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> fucking with the classics <laughs> in any genre, in, in any uh, mode of entertainment, actually, gives me pause. Yeah. And this one does, too. So my opinion, and I'm very much on the right of center on this, they're doing this simply because they wanted to make it all women. Yeah. And make a classic and make it all women. That's exactly it. And in the minute, the minute I knew that Paul Feig was involved... I knew mm-hmm. that Melissa McCarthy was going to be on it, in it, and I knew it was going to be all women uh, mm-hmm. because he doesn't know how to do anything else. Yeah, he's like uh, uh, 
uh, was it Son not Sonnenfield? Um, oh, oh, what's his name? The, the director that got to have Will Smith in every movie. Um, oh, uh, Bruckheimer. Uh, no. Soderbergh. Soderbergh. That's oh, God damn it. What's his name? Um, yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Who did it was Wild Wild West and, and uh, well, that wasn't Jerry Bruckheimer. He's a producer, but not the director. Um, oh, <clears throat> uh, fuck right. I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head, but yeah. Gotta have Will Smith and everything, no matter how poor a fit Will Smith is. Will Smith, off topic, I get it. Uh, kind of, a, you know, by our description, one trick pony. Very, very narrow scope of what he can do. Yeah. And um, he's just a shit actor. I Robot, I thought he did fine. That's like one of did, his worst movies. <laughs> but but he, he did fine because he wasn't acting on He was acting with a dog. I mean, he didn't have to interact with anybody. There was nobody to show up. What are you thinking about I Am Legend? I am legend. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I robot. I'm sorry. I robot. You're right. I am legend. Um, <clears throat> so when he was just out there all by himself with nobody to try to overact to, I thought he was fine. Um, but again, very narrow scope. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <clears throat> um, so, yeah, forcing characters, you know, your, your franchise actor or actress yeah. into a movie and then creating a movie around them. Big mistake. Um so Kristen Wiig, who I think is one of the <clears throat> uh, most talented, true comedians uh, of 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 our time, she writes, she performs. Uh, I won't, I'm going to go on a limb here and say she can she can sing. Um, <clears throat> uh, but the thing is, she can deliver the entire comedy package and do it effectively. Um, she's she's you know. Uh, uh, She's earned her chops out there. Comedy. She doesn't want to do comedy anymore. Not much is clear. You can see the roles she's picking up. Yeah. She's getting these indies out there that pay scale because she wants to get into drama. So to not let her evolve and throw, I have to assume it's probably 15, 12, 15 million at her, if that, if not more, right. to be in this turd, um, is forcing her to take a big step backwards to kind of sell out and go back to something that, yeah, she was good at, but she... <laughs> Excuse me. She wants to evolve past it. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, how you know how effective is she going to be? Yeah. You're going to get <clears throat> a Jim Carrey, circa, you know, 2007, 2008 caliber performance out of it. <clears throat> or at best, she's going to be an extremely high paid supporting role. Mm-hmm. And she's your main. She's your headliner. Uh, and I think it's uh, again. Doing all that is one thing. Doing it for the purpose of just having an all-female cast for the sake of having an all-female cast simply because we're the, in the enlightened new century is horseshit. Yeah. And Absolute fucking horseshit. There's, you know, the whole Hollywood is completely rife with all sorts of special interests. You got all the all women, all gay, all black, all Chinese. You got all that. John, all, everything's out there already. Don't yeah. go fuck up a classic. <laughs> Simply. And this is a movie I don't like. I'm still saying out of respect for the fact that it's a classic. Don't go fuck it up. Just, yeah. just to appeal to you know a special interest mentality. And that's what I think is happening here. It's, it's sad. Yeah. And that, that's something Taylor and I have talked about on the show before is that, um, you know, Paul Feig, he puts this thing, he puts this um, vibe out there that's like, well, I'm trying to create uh, an inclusive movie that uh, is empowering and um, is uh, more friendly to people that aren't just white males but it's like you created a cast of almost entirely white females that's insulting to me you just said that my my participation in that movie doesn't matter i'm a white male by the way (laughs) 
<clears throat> you're saying my participation as an audience member doesn't matter in there. It's, it's incidental. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, that's not your. It's not for you anyway. And the thing is, it's like the original Ghostbusters. It wasn't. They weren't just a group of guy, like a group of men. You know, uh, it's not like they were recruited because they were men. These or, guys that came together. They're, they're just, <laughs> yeah, just guys. <laughs> Fucking losers that came together. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and they just happened to be a bunch of white guys mm-hmm. and one black guy. Ernie Hudson. Yeah, he's always. Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the token. <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the, the mandatory black guy. Um, but. Like to to find uh, something offensive in that is just insane. To think that it was something sexist that was planned, yeah. because like we have to have a male or we have to have a movie with uh, five strong male leads. Uh, yeah. You know, we can't possibly have a woman in here. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't. Feig as a director knows it wasn't. Talking about the original. Yeah, whoever's EP in this knows it. It wasn't. It, no, everybody knows none of that is true. Yeah. But if you want to appeal to a you know an, an extremist arm, uh, I'm not talking about radical. I'm not talking about violence. I'm talking about an extremist arm that says, "Yeah, it's time for women." In this case, women got to get their equal rights. It's what do you mean equal rights? It's a, it's like you know, it, yeah, okay. I don't. If you want to remake the movie, stay true to the script, maybe. Contemporize it a little bit for the for the new century, maybe a little, <clears throat> um, and instead of you know Meg Ackroyd's character of a woman again, it's incidental by nature. Yeah. But the all woman cast is done strictly to appease a uh, a perceived extremist element that says that yeah this is empowering to women. It's stupid. It's yeah. not empowering to anybody. It's it's, it's pandering. Yeah, it's it's pandering. <clears throat> if, if I was a woman, I mean. You know, any any woman listening, it's like, well, you're not a woman, so you don't know. But it's like, if I were a woman, I would almost be insulted by this. Should be. Well, you know, you say if I'm a, if I'm a woman, if I'm a man, if I'm a minority, if I'm a Muslim, if I'm a Catholic, if I'm this or I'm that. Oh, there's countless things you can find to be offense, uh, offense, offended by. However, if you're just a normal, normal IQ, tax-paying uh regular person you shouldn't take offense at any of this stuff especially when it comes out of hollywood yeah um uh, we were uh <clears throat> i watched a movie the other day that uh two and a half hours running time called babel and it had uh, brad pitt and kate blanchett and um a couple others and it was a uh, it was a very high budget uh on location set or on location uh, shoot in uh uh iraq i want to say uh part of it, a good part of it and then part was in japan and part was um excuse me um uh, domestic anyway it was these three stories that you're waiting for two and a half hours three individual stories that were okay and at the end they're all supposed to come together that's the hook it's like and that's always kind of fascinates me is how you're going to take these disparate stories and pull them all together mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um so when i finally pulled them all together in about the last i'll say 20 to 25 minutes of this two and a half hour epic um it turned out to be a two and a half hour ad for gun control and um it's like hmm i'm fucking livid now because the movie was okay but to 
And I'm not one of these ones that says, oh, the, you know, the goal is secondary. It's all about the journey. It's all about the journey. Yeah, I look at elements of a movie, but I want a nice ending. Even if the ending is a, is a, is a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. I want it to be done well. This ending basically culminated in what it was, a, as far as I was concerned, it's commercial for the for for like a this liberal gun control agenda thing that was all about all this tragedy happened in three different continents because of guns. It's like come on, <laughs> you know. I'm a gun owner. I'm not a passionate gun owner. I have one. I think I've always had one as an adult. Just. Go out that desert and plink at rocks and stuff. It wasn't anything. I was not an avid collector or anything like that. I just always had one. <clears throat> not a militant NRA member. No, never had any fear of them. I never discredited anybody that didn't have one uh, or that had a million of them. I didn't care. Again, it's all that thing. It's like I'm a normal person. I could care less. Yeah. It's not my fucking business. However, when I watch this, I'm thinking, you know, all that budget <clears throat> was there to, it was invested and all that time to not make a movie but to send a a social message. And it's bullshit. Almost like you need a disclaimer at the beginning of those. By the way, this movie isn't for the sake of entertainment. It's for the sake of sending a social message. Right. I wish they would just do that. Um, and it's so like, why don't we just save ourselves all some time and just tell me what you want to tell me? <laughs> yeah. So, it's, you know, Ghostbusters, the, the remake of Ghostbusters, maybe they should do something like that and say, by the way, we're doing this just to empower women. <laughs> the quality of the movie is, is secondary. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting harsh on the movie. The movie hasn't even come out yet. Um, but, <clears throat> it, but the point is, it's like, it seems like it was made for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Uh, and entertainment for the masses wasn't one of them. It was a and, cash grab for, uh, for Dan Aykroyd. And Ivan Reitman, who was still on his EP, he was going to direct it, but then Harold Ramis died, and so all the original guys seemed to kind of back off, uh, Bill Murray included, um, and except for Dan Aykroyd, who apparently his career is floundering and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he couldn't grasp at anything. Yeah, he's not making enough money with that crystal head vodka, so um, <laughs> he. Uh, you know, of course, he's still involved. He's actually going to appear in the movie, um, and actually bringing it back to the subject here <laughs> is that Bill Murray is uh, going to appear in the movie uh, which is just incredibly disappointing but he said he didn't want to overshadow the group I mean uh, all he's going to do is show up and he's overshadowing exactly I mean you've got Christine Wieg and um, Melissa McCarthy who have some power behind them but then the rest of the cast you've got Cecily Strong uh, who couldn't hack it on SNL as a cast member. Then they put her on Weekend Update, and she couldn't do that either. So now, I mean, what is she, what is she doing in this? She can't act. She's not funny. So <laughs> what the fuck's the point? Then Kate McKinnon, I can't fucking stand looking at her face. I like Kate McKinnon. <laughs> She's pretty funny. And uh, and Leslie Jones. I mean, I I don't I don't really watch SNL She's very often. <laughs> Um, you said she's not funny. I don't think she's funny. Yeah. A little bit, not even a little bit funny. Um, obnoxious, but not funny. So, I mean, this is, this is just so many strikeouts, like all over mm-hmm. the place. And you know, this is, um, <clears throat> and yeah, I think Bill Murray, you know, there's, when the final credits roll, when that movie's released, let's see how high up on the uh, producer's rank he shows. <laughs> you know, there's going to be two EPs at least. Yeah. Reitman and Murray, I bet you. Um, but uh, that's, that's, will be that, you know, time will tell on that. But 
this is a good example of something that um, everything we just talked about for the last five, six, seven minutes uh, relative to the whole social agenda in making movies, how it disgusts me. But it's Hollywood. Hollywood is all about social social radicalism, and it's only getting worse. Yeah. For your generation, it's out of control. Uh, my generation, it was a matter of uh, <clears throat> that was the anomaly. You know, and actually, when it was an anomaly, you were forced to pay more attention to it because it was an anomaly. When some socially uh, directed piece of entertainment arose, if you didn't see it for yourself, if you were even disgusted by it, you had no choice but to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Now it's everywhere. Now it's just it's 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 like protests in Seattle. There's some fucking idiot group that's protesting literally every day. They don't mean anything anymore. Someone's always protesting and blocking streets. Who cares what it's for anymore? They mean nothing because they're all doing it every day. Same with these movies that are coming out. Horror has found a way, I don't know if it's found a way, but by its nature, just can't do that. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you've got to be able to horrify everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ghostbusters is, is it, you know, it's comedy. It's called, it's comedy right, right. with, with, you know, supernatural overtones and things like that, but haunted overtones, but <clears throat> it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. True horror, it just doesn't have the, say, the ability doesn't have the bandwidth, doesn't have the time to get in there and make a social statement. How do you make a social statement about a guy that's running around with a machete? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, is he selectively going to only go after, you know, women? Is he selectively only going to go after men mm-hmm. or maybe black men or maybe left-handed men? You know, it's just stupid. <laughs> it's, it'd be ludicrous to try to introduce it. Yeah. So I think horror by its nature is just has is, 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 uh, blissfully excluded from that. Maybe that's why even before I realized how much it bothered me having that, that undertone in Hollywood movies. Um, I think it's probably why I gravitated towards horror, you know, is like, it's just pure, pure, uh, production for the sake of trying to scare you, trying yeah. to horrify you or disgust you or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and who was almost immaterial. I mean, you know, guys like Craven gave it a who Yeah, that, 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 that mattered. Um, but those were the kind of the, the, the um, uh, uh, exceptions to the rule. By and large, horror was just about something scary going after everybody. Yeah. And in the in the 60s, it was going after the beach babes. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> 70s, it was going after the, you know, the, the, the beach babes or the disco, the, the babes. Yeah, it was always babes because babes scream. Right. You know, and then when the 70s became the 80s, yeah, still going after the babes, but now you're going after the guys that are trying to protect the babes. Yeah. And it just, it was like everybody. Yeah. Everybody gets to get a machete in the head. <laughs> it was awesome. <clears throat> so I think that's why horror is, uh, is, is always going to be a favorite because it just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, anyway, back to Bill Murray. He said uh, he felt that not being in the film would prompt bad reviews. He said, uh, I thought about it for a very long time, uh, like many, many months. No, that's not right. I was seriously thinking about this for years, really. It kept eating at me, and I really respect those girls. Uh, and then I started to feel like if I didn't do this movie, maybe somebody would write a bad review or something, thinking there was some sort of disapproval on on my part. That's bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's nonsense. I mean, I'm just listening to that, trying to picture his face saying that. And like, Come on. Are you fucking kidding? They begged you to be part of that movie because it wasn't was going to tank if you yeah. didn't. Yeah, and, you know, I think he's at a point in his career where he's just like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, point in his career and his life. Or just like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy's got more money than he could spend in 10 lifetimes. Right. Um, okay, so, yeah, let's let's go and move on. 
Okay, so we got a new season of American Horror Story coming up uh, here next month. Uh, I don't have a specific date in my head, but uh, American Story, American Horror Story Hotel. Um, now, it's it's always run from you know October till January, like that, yeah. um, with you know however many weeks of breaks in between. <clears throat> um, but now uh, the showrunner and creator Ryan Murphy, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, um, was suggesting that they might be doing a second annual season of uh, American Horror Story in the spring. Um, he said, uh, next year we might do a fall American, fall American Horror Story and a spring. Uh, we have to decide. Uh, we're doing something that's never done before on the show where we're doing two different groups of writers' rooms. Some of our writers will be bouncing around, but a whole different group, yeah, whole different group coming in late August. Uh, the next thing we're crafting up is a very, very, di- very, very different than this. Not smaller, more rogue, and more dark. So, I, I know you, you, you watch American Horror Story too. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, and you're a fan of it. Do you think maybe that maybe that's too much? American Horror Story? I don't think there can be too much, frankly. Really? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when, uh, you, yesterday, again, in the in the Lost tapes, mm-hmm. the Lost audio, um, we discussed, uh, we drew a comparison between uh, possibly too much American Horror Story and maybe, uh, could there be too much Walking Dead? Yeah. Um, the thing about Walking Dead is <clears throat> it's, I mean, think about it in the what six seasons? Six seasons it's been on. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times it's bogged down? I mean, there, there's been a couple times where I just okay, that's just not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm wrong with it, and it, it it's come back for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, some initial shock value you can never recreate. You know, it's like your your first love. You just can't go back and get that a second time. Right. Um, so that initial shock value, it's hard to keep that going. So when they made the second Walking Dead, I've been really unimpressed with it. But I see the limitations is because you, it, it, by its nature, it has to be tied to the first Walking Dead. There can't be a ton of variation to it. Mm-hmm. So that might be a case of too much. We'll see. More horror story, man, you can just run with as many different script directions as you want because none of them have to touch each other. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that they have the commonality in the casting because they got some, you know, Jessica Lang is as creepy as they come. Yeah. You know? Um, and and she's proven to be pretty versatile mm-hmm. in these roles. I don't. I mean, she's she's not a person you like in any of them. Think about it's it. True. And, she, and, she, and she's not supposed to be a likable person, so they cast that perfectly. And to keep her around in that core of whatever it is, four or five people, I think that's great. Um, that probably be difficult to do with multiple uh, um, with multiple tales being told. But part of the reason I love uh, reading fiction over nonfiction, as an as an example. Um, like you know, Stephen King, huge Stephen King fan, uh, is because there's no limitation. You can take it anywhere you want to go. You're not tied. I mean, the only the only thing you're tied to is references to mm-hmm. real life. After that, you can go take wherever the hell you want. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and uh, and same with you know American Horror Story. If they've got a writers room and they're going to be taken off in in you know shit two, three, four, five different directions. I know it's that would never happen, but <clears throat> you can make as many of those as you want. If they never touched each other, who cares? You just got all these great horror anthologies that are taking off in their own path and as far as I'm concerned you can run as many as you want simultaneously and I, would, I don't think it would be too much because if there's just enough commonality 
to be clever. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. Other than that, they wouldn't have to be common at all. Actually, I mean, something I didn't even think of until after we'd already recorded yesterday. Um, They're showing actually some links in between the seasons. Um, They're very small, minor links, but they're slowly revealing that all the seasons are actually connected in one way or another. Um, They did that uh, just this past season in Freak Show. They did that with um, uh, Freak Show and uh, shit was called uh, Asylum. With the pinhead? Oh, well, the... Yeah, well, the pinheads... Um, it's, again, it's just common characters. I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm, I'm not... Well, the, that character is the same character that was in the asylum. Oh, you're right. Okay. I didn't know you were going with that necessarily. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was the exact same character. You're right. Um, and that, to me, that's clever. Mm-hmm. It wasn't... Neither story was contingent on that link. Yeah. It just was a clever tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those are great. I think those are the more uh, subtle they are. I think the more uh, the more the more clever they are, and I, I love that stuff. <clears throat> so if there was three or four of these running simultaneously, or having two three weeks of overlap, um, and they had those little subtle ties, I think that would be you know genius, really. Yeah, I mean that's very you know Stephen King esque. Yeah, so very yeah. much so. There's a there's been a couple of attempts at uh, at horror anthologies, uh, mostly on cable. There was one that Mick Garris directed, and I can't remember it was on Showtime. I can't remember the name of it. Um, uh, something blood, some, something of blood, uh, tale, tales of blood. Uh, what the hell was it called? About seven eight years ago. And Mick Garris is a is a pretty good. Uh, he's a pretty effective TV level small screen horror director. Um. And um, <clears throat> he uh, seemed like he had a contract with Showtime or something because he produced a number of shows for them. They're all on the on the horror side. Mm-hmm. But this was an anthology, and what it did is it uh, it took um, it was a weekly show that sometimes linked over a couple of weeks, and sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it was a brand new story that had this curious tie back to something that you saw. Three weeks ago, hmm. it was kind of it was kind of ingenious the way they did it because it always kept you guessing, it always yeah. kept you tuned in because you didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I thought that was extremely uh, creative, and it always kept kept you watching. Plus, it was they were you know pretty pretty well crafted shows. I think there were 90, 90 minute shows or seventy minute shows or something like that. Um, and uh, it it ran for I don't know two or three seasons and kind of ran its ran through its lifetime and. And I kind of wish I remember what it was called. Um, <clears throat> but um, I think they could do this with American Horror Story. If they want to give these young writers some uh, some latitude and someone can fund that, I'd be all about it. Yeah. Um, do you think, I mean, they should continue... Um, do you think they should continue with this core of cast members? I mean, obviously there are some interchangeable people. But like you said, there's just this core of like four or five, maybe six people that have kind of gone from season to season. Do you think that's something they should continue, or do you think they should try to start, you know, introducing new people? In? Personally, um, like I said, I think Jessica Lang is the matriarch, the old, the old uh, anchor person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you'd want to stick with her. 
Um, well, she, I mean, as, as you know, she's not going to be in the season. Um, I mean, that's kind of a side note that we've mentioned before. Ryan Murphy has mentioned that she has expressed interest in wanting to come back. He's not convinced that she's gone forever. So we'll think, see. think about who's in it, though. Lady Gaga. And think about Jessica Lange, what she looked like when she was younger. They weren't identical twins, not even close. But yeah, I, I bet you before that show is over, there's going to be a tie. I bet you she's going to be there. It's going to be a surprise visit. Her, she's going to be some character that's some version of whoever Lady Gaga's character is. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll bet you. I'll bet you she's. That'll be. Then that would be kind of the the, the, the kind of tie we're talking about. Um, a link of some sort. Right. That's speculation on my part. I haven't heard anything like that. I'm just thinking that that. When I, when I heard Lady Gaga was going to be in that, I'm thinking somehow they're going to make her associated with, with Jessica Lange somehow, mm-hmm. maybe even the same person somehow. But um, the young blonde at Lucy Rabe, um, I don't think she can act. I don't think she's very effective, but she's effective in the show. Mm-hmm. The, the, the nun she's played and the character she's played, and I think she's been effective in the show. I think she's part of a good core. I, I thought the, the pinhead, uh, pinhead couple. They were good people to have kind of along mm-hmm. to, to carry over. I think a small core group that gives it that identity is good because otherwise with <clears throat> like with American Horror Story, if every every anthology comes out with a whole new cast, then you don't it's, – it's, you're basically talking about a brand new show every time. So to make it uh, – to, to, to serialize it um, with some commonality um, – I, again, I think that's ingenious, and I think if it's done well, <clears throat> you've you've uh, created a lifespan of the show that just almost as open ended. And as far as I'm concerned, they could run as many of those print parallels as they wanted, and I'd watch them all. Yeah, I mean, as long as they can keep it interesting, I think the only uh, issue they might have is just losing uh, the interest of fans by creating a season or a string of seasons that are just aren't good. Um, always a risk. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, freak show or see, murder house was really good. Mm-hmm. I loved murder house. Uh, asylum sucked. Asylum was just, I think most people would agree. That's the worst season. Really? Yeah. I thought Coven was the worst. Really? Yeah. I see. I liked Coven. Yeah. I thought Coven was kind of, <clears throat> um, something we've talked about before in the show is that Coven got a lot of uh, uh, backlash and you know people upset about it because it, it was supposed to um, create this feeling of empowering women. By, this again? What? <laughs> this again? <laughs> well, you know, Ryan Murphy—that's his—that's kind of his mm-hmm. thing. Um, but uh, you know, to, to to be empowering to women, but then have these two teenage girls with these incredible abilities and powers to be fighting over a boy. <laughs> and then the, the, uh, the head, uh, head, witch. uh, would can't think of the, the term given to the head, witch there, Jessica Lange's character. <clears throat> oh, that's the Supreme Supreme. Yeah. yeah. And she was basically at the mercy of that, of Danny Houston's character who was a man. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up because she can't, leave him behind. She's trapped in eternity for him or trapped in eternity with him. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I didn't hate it. I just thought of the, of the four, that was the worst. Um, I thought asylum was okay. Um, I hated asylum. I didn't even finish it. Really? Yeah. I, I waited for, uh, um, 
other people to tell me how it finished, and it's like just so fucking bizarre and off the wall. It's like aliens. Where the fuck did that come from? Um, why not? <laughs> it um, it, uh, it it. I never saw the aliens as an example as uh, of being a, a <clears throat> jumping the shark. It's like, okay, well, we don't know where to take this thing. It always was going to be aliens, but they made a creepy, atmospheric anthology, you know, pretty much all along. And they got uh, probably one of my favorite character actors to play that creepy-ass doctor, Cromwell, James Cromwell, yeah. you know, and uh, someone who is uh, absolutely easy to dislike in the girl, Close of Igni. Um, you know, they, they, uh-huh. yeah, they casted it. I thought very well mm-hmm. for the creepiness factor and the unlikability factor, everything you needed to either cheer for or hate these characters. I thought it was a pretty well crafted anthology myself. I mean, yeah, if you didn't like the alien thing, you didn't like it, but well, I mean, to each own for me, like I said, I didn't even stick with that that mm-hmm. long. I didn't know there were aliens. Yeah, I was just so fucking bored out of my mind. I couldn't even stick with it. Yeah, It was slow. It was slow. I'll give you that. Um, but then, I, like I said, I liked Coven. I thought it was really good. It, it, had, it gave me the same feeling that I got from Murder House. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, I liked Freak Show when it started, but towards the end, it just lost its steam. Uh, it just it didn't. It, like, characters were too confusing. There were too, it, many, too many characters. It was really, it, it got confusing and convoluted mm-hmm. and... Um, and it's just like you slowly start to not give a shit about anybody. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think, well, like I said, we'll, pulling back the curtain even further, we recorded their, our movie reviews yesterday, so we're redoing this the day after. But I do believe I said in one of the reviews is that you don't really care about any of the characters. And that's a problem because you yeah. have to care about at least one character to even be interested. Um. Yeah, the only character that you actually cared about was that little midget. That little... Oh, man, that fucking <laughs> broke my heart. <laughs> little midget was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and you, you kind of cared about her. Um, but, the yeah, I mean, Chickless didn't need to be in there. Angela Bassett didn't need to be in there. Um, I don't like Angela Bassett. I don't she like her. Bugs me. <laughs> never have liked her. Uh, uh and it's you know it's not to say that they're bad actors. They didn't belong in there. They cluttered up the story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and... Um, the uh, um, and uh, unfortunately, the guy who ends up being the the protagonist through the whole thing, the the, the creepy rich kid, protagonist. He's the antagonist. Yeah, yeah. You said protagonist. Did I? Yeah. Oh, well, I was just saying. Wait uh, a minute. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm. It's late. And I'm tired. The antagonist. He's uh, I mean, yeah, he was genuinely unlikable, but he just. He, he became almost unnecessary. He he was a, the character was necessary in the story, mm-hmm. but his just his the uh, what's where the, the the zealousness of the character itself, just like he was over too much, mm-hmm. just over overbearing. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, like you mentioned yesterday when we first discussed this, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Um, I didn't have any problem with him coming in, but yeah. it's just like, okay, let's add some more characters in this to make it even cloudier. Yeah. Um, it just, it all, uh, it got to be just weak. The cast just got unwieldy and it, for, for no real purpose. And the worst part of it is the scariest character in the whole 
anthology was the clown. Yeah. And they solved his whole situation midway through. It's like, oh. once the clown was gone, yeah, it stopped being scary. Exactly. And then you try to replace that that element of the story, that that character, to f- fill that hole with this pretentious little rich kid. Yeah. It's like, are you fucking serious? It's, this isn't, you know, uh, American Psycho or um, or just regular Psycho. You, you can't. Yeah. Make this rich kid into some psychotic, bloodthirsty murderer. Yeah. That's what the clown's for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A crazy, insane clown. That's a commodity. I mean, that's, that's value. And yeah. they did it well. They built it up really, really well. Um, but once he was gone, yeah, it replaced it with this, this you know, <clears throat> entitled fucking rich psycho kid. And, and, and nothing wrong with the kid's acting because he in Coven, he was very sedate and very normal person. So mm-hmm. it's not like... Um, is anything wrong with him? It's just where they took his character it was just hard to watch because it forced overacting. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> so yeah, the character. Uh, I would say the character development, sort of like the character, the character execution, just got too unwieldy yeah. in Freak Show, and there were just too many of them. Yeah, well, I mean, despite our feelings, uh, Freak Show actually did break several uh, viewership ratings. Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but. Um, they did. They also received eight Emmy, eight Emmy nominations in five categories, um, plus uh, twelve Creative Art Emmy nominations, which are things like uh, hair and makeup and things of that nature. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if they if they can continue to capture kind of magic in a bottle, I mean, you know, keep it fresh and something that people are actually going to be interested in, and they don't have just in my opinion, several back-to-back seasons of Asylum, then, um, then yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't see any reason why they can't continue it till yeah. whenever. Yeah, I mean, you can't hit on all cylinders every time. I mean, look, <clears throat> look at the, 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 the classics out there that ran for multiple seasons. You know, X-Files, they had bad seasons. Yeah. They had bad uh, partial seasons within an otherwise good and... and uh, highly rated seasons. I mean, it just happens. Um, 24. There's some, there's some turds in there too. Uh, you know, for a show that just was almost flawless yeah. for all, all, uh, eight or nine years it ran, but there was some bad stuff in there. You can't law of averages says you can't hit on all cylinders every time. Sure. So, <clears throat> you know, it's a matter of, uh, going back to the, the concept of just having, uh, you know, went to new writers, take a whack at it. And, uh, and maybe they're not, uh, eight, nine, 10 week, Anthologies, maybe they're two or three week. Could be, uh, you know, quick hits. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd go for that too. All right, our next story. Um, try to kind of keep next few a little concise because we're running a little long on time here um well sure blame me uh, i don't taylor well i never liked that guy um waxwork a movie from 1985 five or six yeah. um uh is apparently getting a remake and i know i've heard talks of this before but it sounds like it's actually 
starting to gear up and get in motion. Um, the people behind it are actually from a movie we reviewed last episode, which is uh, last a- uh, Lost After Dark. Um, I remember you saying yesterday you hadn't seen this. Uh, it's just like a real throwback 80s slasher movie that actually takes place in the 80s. Um, and, uh, I mean, I referred to it several times throughout a review that it felt like the 80s was like, like punching you in the face. It's like, these are the eighties. Look at it. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it was, it was good because it was so cornball, uh, and so campy. Um, everything that you think would might technically be bad, like in, in pretty much any other movie that's taking itself seriously, bad acting, um, shitty camera work. Um, you know, dumb fight scenes, you know, things like that. Um, not necessarily directly apply to this, but things of that nature. Um, if they appear poorly done, it's like, that's because that's what they're intending for it. <laughs> hey man, the eighties gave us troll too. So relax. Oh, dude, I tried to watch that because I hadn't seen that movie in like 15 years. <laughs> uh, at least I tried to watch it I mean, last week, week before. Um, and I got 20 minutes into it and had to turn it off. I, I could not do it. It's that it. bad. Yeah. It's like I couldn't I couldn't even watch it and just get a few laughs out of it because it was so bad. It was so bad that I had to turn it off. There was a uh, thing that's running on uh, – was running on HBO, I think, or Showtime, one of the two that I have. Um, it was a little – it always ran late at night, so it must have been something that was kind of adult content. But it was a 60- or 90-minute show about – the making of Troll Two. It's a it's a movie about the making of the worst movie ever made. <laughs> that's, that's how they pitch this. <laughs> it's like, I never did catch it, but it's just like it's funny that they're capturing it as let's talk about the worst movie ever made by all standards, by all measurements. <clears throat> anyway, um, you were saying right. So uh, yeah, Lost After Dark team is Bo Ransdell as a writer and Ian Kessner as a director. Um, in an interview, they were saying, uh, right now we're working on a couple of other horror projects. One of them is a reboot of the 80s, uh, 80s classic Waxwork. Uh, and that was Ian Kessner. In an interview with uh, Nerd Report, um, Bo Ransdell added, I would love to see Waxwork get some legs under it. Um, and he was alluding to the fact that very it's still very early in, um, in the development stage. Uh, he did say that they do have... The, the support of the original film director, uh, which was, um, I have this name somewhere, Anthony Hickox. So that's always a positive to get the, mm-hmm. the blessing from the original cre- uh, creator. Um, but um, he says, I think we've got a real fun take on what, um, a real fun take on that, and actually have the blessing of Anthony Hickox, who wrote and directed the original. So we're not just doing fan fiction. We could see a path to this getting made potentially, and I would love to see this happen for sure. Um, so I, I like wax work. I mean, it's supposed to be really goofy, like cornball and kind of goofy, but still maintain that horror element. Um, I, I know you don't really care for it, if I remember right. Well, by the time that came out, you know, I'd had seven, eight or more years of the campy 80 style horror that I'd been able to watch as an adult. Mm-hmm. You know, you were, you know, anywhere from non-existent to just a kid when these things were coming out. So they were new to you. Yeah. <clears throat> but about that time, I'm thinking, hmm, 
okay, these are these are filler. These are the these are the the duds at the bottom of a bag of popcorn. You know, they're always there. You might chew on them sometimes, but they're not really what you which paid for. Yeah. In horror, because um, I'm still thinking that, you know, I need the next Exorcist to come along. You know, and uh, so you never knew you never knew where that nugget was going to be. <clears throat> um, so uh, so waxwork was just you know another '80s campy concept or, or movie that was done that was made from a, a what I think is a kind of a scary concept. The whole wax museum thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes back um, to the fifties, you know, scariest fucking movie of its time was House of Wax. Mm-hmm. And you look at it now, it's like God, there was just nothing to this, but man, they made it scary. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you can't put the the the, the Gremlins guy in a movie <laughs> and expect <laughs> it to be taken all that seriously. Right. Um, so you know, I didn't hate the movie. I just. Uh, I, I certainly don't think anybody should waste their time remaking it unless they're going to make it a truly scary movie. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, they were asked if uh, it's going to have anything to do with Madame Toussaint's. Uh, and Ransell said that uh, not directly, but all wax figures are weird and creepy. I don't necessarily care where they arise from. Uh, they're just all unsettling to me. Um, and... Uh, Kessner added to it, uh, it's got uh, something wicked this way comes vibe where the waxwork appears in town overnight. So similar to the original. Yeah. Just kind of pops up out of nowhere. Um, he says, it's really fun. It's also an opportunity for us to play in a whole bunch of horror genres, kind of an anthology where the characters keep falling into these different vignettes or the different worlds where they tackle different horror tropes and they tackle the best parts of it, the climax. So... It's really fun for us to get to make because we get to explore all these different genres within the horror or within horror, uh, sort of like Cabin in the Woods. I could see the similarity between that. Yeah. Um, Cabin in the Woods took it to a really interesting level. Yeah. You know, you know? that movie, I think, by people that aren't horror fans, gets overlooked as just another horror movie. Mm-hmm. But that movie is fucking genius. <laughs> it was it was. <laughs> and it was cast perfectly, yeah, just right. But we're not talking about that one. We're no, gonna do right. that another time. But yeah. um, <clears throat> uh, but waxwork, where that movie bogged down, was it just in that very thing, taking the the six, uh, I think it was six kids, and putting them in five or six, whatever it was, yeah. and putting them in these situations where they have to act out or they're, where they're acting out this this, this terrible, you know, horror situation, mm-hmm. and finding themselves, you know, cast in wax. Actually, they're not even cast in wax. They're covered in wax because there's one scene where one of them's still alive because the wax hasn't quite set up yet. And that um, someone, whoever's at the piano, I can't remember the manner. It's been so long since I've seen it, but piano. One scene where I think it's one of the kids who has you know been waxed. Um, one of the remaining ones, I the the the. Uh, uh, Gremlin's kid. I keep thinking Zach Galifianakis. I know that's not his name. <laughs> Zach Galligan. Zach Galligan. Um, yeah, he comes and he's 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 sitting next to him and he says, you know, oh, you know, Bob, is that you? And then the eyes shift to him. You don't remember that part? No. That was the creepiest part of the whole movie where it's like, oh, shit, he's still alive under there. Not for much longer, but he's still alive under there. Well, there's a, there actually is a point in, in the movie where um, his kind of girlfriend, you know, Chiggy's banging, mm-hmm. whoever she is. Yeah, blonde. Um, yeah. Um, she... Is uh, she gets trapped in the the Count Dracula yeah. scene, um, and the cop actually goes in there to to investigate, digs and the wax off, digs the wax meat out, meat under it, 
no, there was actually there was there was a layer of skin which was wax. Underneath that was muscle, but he peeled that away too, and it chipped away like wax. It, but yeah, so I take from that that it's she's becoming wax kind of thing. It's that yeah. was the, the magic, so to speak. But yeah, there was unless I'm confusing with another movie, the same thing. Maybe it's Waxworks too, but I hope not because I really don't want to ever have to remember that movie. <laughs> but anyway, I, just he's sitting at a. The, the 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 waxed kid is sitting at the piano and they and he sits down next to him he's you know staring in disbelief and then the eyes shift hmm. so he's not quite dead yet yeah anyway um uh, uh but yeah the, it, the the movie it just it just bogged down because none of it was done really real it was done on the cheap you know it was done it was done without a you know real big budget and it was probably you know just kind of thrown together to to, to, to fit a, a a production schedule, you know what I'm saying is it was never intended to be released as this you know major uh, summer or uh, or Christmas blockbuster kind of thing. Sure. And it, you know not they're not all going to be. I get that, but um, that was one that could have and probably should have been done much better. Maybe this is the opportunity for that to happen. It could be. Uh, I mean, you know, these guys behind it, uh, like I said, their movie was very true to the genre and the time period within that genre yeah um and so for them i and, you know you know citing something like cabin in the woods i have to imagine that they're going to purposely include a lot of camp in it so it might not be like the true horror that mm-hmm. you know you know you and you know even to a certain degree me um would be looking for but i don't know um, i don't think it's that big of a treasured movie to where you can't touch it like I'm personally fine with them trying to remake it. Yeah, I got so, with you on that. Yeah. So okay, let's uh, let's press on. Okay, so this is something that. Uh, I'm sure Taylor probably wishes he was here for. Um, finally going to talk about Trick or Treat 2. Now, you've seen Trick or Treat, right? Oh, God. Yeah, I have. I don't have to go through the memory banks here. It's, uh, I mean, do you, do you not remember what it is? Or it, it's, several, it's like an anthology. Several stories that kind of inter, intertwine with each other. Yes, I've seen it. And yes, I will remember it. But it, it's not one that's uh, obviously not in the... The top ten of what, yeah. I, what, I, what I choose to recall. All right, well, so I'm probably the wrong guy to be sitting here with you doing this. <laughs> well, um, Michael Doherty, um, who's the, the creator and director and writer and all that stuff, um, he first announced the sequel to this two years ago. Uh, I remember Taylor and I talking about this on like episode two or three, and we're on forty six now, so it's been a while. <laughs> um, it's, but uh, between that time, he actually seemed to kind of put it on the back burner uh, with uh, Krampus taking the priority, which is coming out. Excuse me, this Christmas. Um, and have you seen anything about Krampus? I haven't seen anything. Just what you've told me. Oh, okay, it looks really fucking awesome. Um, but uh, Doherty was telling IGN that a sequel is still happening. That he's has begun actually developing it. Um, he says it's going to happen. It's just the tricky thing is, as we're announcing Trick or Treat 2, I was just finishing the screenplay for Krampus. 
And it was just too tempting not to do Krampus. If we didn't do it, somebody else was. Which I think is true. Taylor and I, even before we started doing the show, just like, why hasn't anybody done a movie about Krampus? Are you familiar with Krampus at all? Yeah. Okay. But it's like, it's it's right for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's 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 right for a horror movie, and uh, it, the, it's it's amazing to me that it hasn't been created yet. Um, but uh, he did he did say uh, I want to get it right. I don't want to rush it. Um, I said we we have a comic book that's coming out this October, which sort of acts like I hate to use the word prequel, but it explains the spans the universe a little bit in that we sort of explore a long history of Halloween before the first film. It's four different stories. One is set in ancient Ireland, one is 1950s Los Angeles, and there's one in the 1800s in the Old West, and uh, one in contemporary suburbia, uh, traditional Halloween. In the stories, we're sort of we sort of explore how hollow oh, God damn I can't talk how Halloween was shaped and guided by Sam. So, um, so it sounds it almost sounds like uh, this comic book could potentially even be a sequel but sounds like they're maintaining that it's more of a, a, a prequel if anything um, but he said the, the skeleton of the sequel is there and right now it's really four different stories with the exception of Sam who serves as an intertwining link um, he said I do think it's important that if you're to, if you're new to the trick or treat that you can sit down and watch it without the baggage of the first one but that's not to say that we won't have some threads that tie together everything or maybe some characters from the other film might pop up in some fashion maybe some characters from Krampus might show up who knows so um, it, it kind of looks like maybe next Halloween's probably the earliest we're going to be seeing this which is a bit of a disappointment but. I, I do remember the movie now Trick or Treat yeah. <clears throat> and uh, it was uh, it was one of the better ones yeah, yeah. It, it's really uh, very well crafted. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the, the the stories fit together, and the use of Sam um, as kind of like the the, the physical manif- manifestation of the spirit of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, just creepy uh, little fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just Taylor and I fucking. That's love who your movie. dog reminds me of. <laughs> Sam. Yeah. Ever <laughs> since you got that dog, I'm thinking, God, it reminds me of something out of a horror movie. <laughs> It was Sam. It just occurred to me this whole time. All Thanks. Right. Now I feel better that I figured that out. <laughs> um, but I do like the idea of the potential of something like characters from first trick or treat and or Krampus showing up just kind of create this Michael Doherty universe. When's Krampus come out? Uh, this Christmas, uh, Christmas okay. time. Cool. Uh, we'll actually be reviewing that on our Christmas episode. So. Christmas episode of the horror podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, go ahead and move on. Okay, this might be something you may or may not have a bit to say about. Uh, Kerry Fukunaga, who is, of course, the director that recently backed out of um, the uh, It remake or. It film, however you want to look at it. Um, he kind of had some pretty heavy criticism of New Line and their practices. Um, 
uh, interview with Variety, uh, he talked about leaving the It Project, and he, he claimed it had nothing to do with budgetary issues. He said uh, we were always hovering around the $32 million mark, which was their budget. Um, it, was, it was the creative element that we were really battling. Uh, according to Fukunaga, New Line wanted multiple edits and changes to the script that was written by Fukunaga and Chase Palmer. Um, and the early draft of the script actually got kind of like the seal of approval and blessing from Stephen King. So um, he said the main difference was making Pennywise more than just a clown. After 30 years of, of villains that could read the emotional minds of characters and scare them trying to find a really sadistic and intelligent way, trying to find really sadistic and intelligent ways he scares children and also the children that had real lives prior to being scared. And all that character work takes time. It's a slow build, but it's worth it, especially by the second film. But definitely even in the first film, it pays off. Um, He said uh, it was being rejected. Every little thing was being rejected and asked for changes. Our conversations weren't dramatic. It was just quietly acrimonious. We didn't want to make the same movie. We'd already spent millions on pre-production. I certainly did not want to make a movie where I was being micromanaged all the way through the production. So I couldn't feel free to actually make something good for them. I never desire to screw something up. I desire to make something as good as possible. Um, so, I mean, obviously, that's the trouble of you know, that pretty much any director deals with, is battling with the studio. Um, but, I mean, he says he wants to make Pennywise more than just a clown. But that's... You know, this is, without question... Far and away, my favorite Stephen King book. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> I've read this book probably five, six times now. And um, <clears throat> as much as I would treasure a real, an, an honest and thorough cinematic um, version of this, I'm the first one to say, don't even try. Don't even bother. Mm-hmm. Some, movie, some books simply cannot be made into movies. And the fact that Stephen King has blessed a script is meaningless because Stephen King is a brilliant writer. He can't write a screenplay to save his life. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Everything he has been associated with in converting his books to movies has been shit. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, God bless you, buddy. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's my favorite writer by, by orders of magnitude, but I just can't even watch another one of his movies. <laughs> the Stand was pretty good TV movie it eh it was if, if I wish it wasn't associated with the book as a standalone spooky TV movie it was okay yeah but it certainly didn't capture 30% of what was in the book sure it's it just you can't take books of that magnitude and, and make movies out of them unless you're prepared to have you know a six hour movie yeah well I mean this actually was going to be two movies um, but even that it's it's going to twist the story and I think maybe even ruin it a little bit by making it a movie where they're children and then a movie when they're adults. And I think an important part of the story was having those flashbacks. It made it, it made it a little convoluted maybe if you can't follow that kind of jumping back and forth. Um, but as far as the, the unraveling of the story, um, or not unraveling, um, the, uh, the, the reveal it was important to have those flashbacks. So you just didn't, you didn't know everything right away. Well, first of all, the statement that, you know, make Pennywise more than a clown. 
he is more than a clown. Um, he's something that <clears throat> we can't even, that was kind of the whole thing. We couldn't begin to describe what type of being it ended up being. However, the manifestation of it, of Pennywise as a clown, um, it, it, it brought to earth something that could not be more horrifying mm-hmm. in human terms. Uh, and to make it anything more than that, than this evil, sadistic, painted up being that seems to know everything all the time, including what's in your thoughts. Yeah. No, you're making a mistake by making it more than that. And this is where some of that social interaction is that we talked about at the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we're going to get into, you know, what, you know, uh, you know, in, this is what someone needs to be empowered or this is what someone has lacked in their social life. It's, fuck that. None of that was in the book. It's stupid. This is about a 27-year span of kids that took something on because they were too stupid to know how dangerous it was. Yeah. All they knew is instinctively they had to destroy whatever this was. Right. They didn't even know why. They just knew something. And that was the beauty of it. They were, they were innocent kids, just didn't even know why that when they were together – they had the group think. And that's what the trouble was when they were adults is that they didn't have that anymore. They didn't have the, uh, the, the, the whimsy of childhood anymore. Well, it really wasn't whimsy. What happened was they, found they you know, 27 years had passed in Pennywise's time. It's meaningless. Yeah. Blink that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a nap. In human terms, they'd forgotten all about it because they thought it was destroyed. As kids. Yeah. Well, now they have, uh, I guess, kind of to your point a little bit, now they have the fear that only adults can realize. Right. Um, <clears throat> and it's overriding their ability to to gel as that, that strange team mm-hmm. that was more invincible than they knew they really were. Uh, and plus they lost a member, you know. Right. The other guys couldn't hack it, so he kills himself. So the point is, it's like you have to have that back and forth interaction between them as kids, and 27 years later as adults, you have to be able to go back and forth. You have to be able to carry that forward. You have to be able to show the sheer terror that these people went through as kids and as adults. You've got to link all that. You can do that in writing, and you simply, I just don't think it can be captured cinematically. I just don't think it can be done. Yeah. Um, and I think any attempt at that is going to be just another failed attempt at another Stephen King book that was a brilliant book. That again, as much I would rather this, I would rather this be a uh, you know a a, a Showtime ten week miniseries, like, yeah. Ray, like Ray Donovan, where you don't have the uh, network uh, limitations mm-hmm. of uh, you know censors censorship, um, but you can make it an anthology. Right, it's the only way you're going to even come close to capturing this. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody's going to. Do that to, to make it a theatrical movie, uh, you know, a theatrical release. Even if you make it two movies, I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, New Line having the rights to it, they're they're going to make a movie. They're not going to make another TV movie. Mm-hmm. Which, like you said, it's it's a little disappointing because it seems like that might be the only way they can actually create a successful version of it. Um. Uh. Yeah, uh, Fukunaga and Palmer updated the story, updated the story, and included some of their own childhood experiences. Okay, see, that's... It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Follow the source yeah. material. That's, see, I'm right there. I'm losing interest just, just talking about it. Yeah. It's like, this isn't your book. 
This is somebody else's book. Yeah. You have the honor of attempting to adapt it. And unless you fought monsters as a kid, shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, th- I know that New Line especially is trying to cre- create something that will draw in new 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 viewers and y- younger viewers, not necessarily Stephen King fans. That's fine. But there's so much in that book that you're going to find at least one thing that's going to resonate with everyone because everybody, you know, the fears those kids experienced and the, and the terrors while on a grander scale, there's at least one thing in there that everybody experienced when they were a kid. And that's what makes the book relatable. I think is, and I, I almost think that the childhood portion of the book, you know, as interspliced as it is, uh, is almost more important than, the adult part because while everybody leads different lives um, and you know even the characters in the book they had trouble recapturing this magic that they had in their childhood um, to face something so unbelievable um, I think that as a child everybody still has it in their in their brain those memories of being a child and believing in monsters and you know, like being able to just swear that you did see a monster. And mm-hmm. um, I think that makes makes the book and even, you know, the, the, the TV miniseries um, and even a potential movie, I think that makes it far more relatable than the adult portion. And so it's important to not incorporate things from your childhood. Yeah. Use the things that the fucking master author put in the book yeah it's it sounds like it's already going to be just a, a clusterfuck well um the the script is actually being completely rewritten because <clears throat> Kerry fukunaga and um oh something palmer i forgot his name already chase palmer um they're both off the project completely they won't have anything to do with it uh and they're not new line is actually not using their script which as as an artist as a you know director writer can respect them for doing that. Well, not not a writer director myself, but I can see them being like the bigger man for saying, "Okay, well, we won't use your material because you're not involved anymore." Anyway, um, but uh, they've actually already hired a new director, um, Andy uh, Muschietti or Muschet. Not entirely sure how to pronounce that. I didn't look up his his project. Oh, maybe it is Machete. Oh, God, that's right. He directed um, Mama. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, you know, that was produced by um, Guillermo del Toro, but it wasn't, obviously wasn't directed by him. But that gets trashed, which is surprising for a, a del Toro project. Um a lot of it, people didn't like it. Everybody thinks that everything he's going to put out is Pan's Labyrinth. You know, like it's going to be just another, you know, art art house, you know, winner like that. It was a strain kicks ass. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I like Mama. You know, and when he, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't his artsy fartsy shit. It was just a mainstream, yeah, horror movie. Except the ending. The ending was fucking stupid. I, mm. I mean, I think that's where it lost me. It was just right at the very end there. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, I was okay with the ending. I didn't, you know, like it or dislike it. It just it was. Mm. But yeah, I mean, 
um, they, you know, the, the, the purists are going to expect this, you know, uh, nonsensical artsy, you know, art house bullshit out of him every time. And when he don't, when he makes more of a mainstream movie, it's going to get panned. That's just the nature of critics. Fair enough. Um, anyway, so, uh, I don't think any other announcements on like a new writer or anything has been announced quite yet, but I'm sure as we hear more, we'll be sure to tell you. So um, another classic movie getting remade, um, it's, uh, Suspiria. Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, um, and you know this. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Suspiria. I, I like Argento. Um, I appreciate his work. I'm not over the moon about Suspiria, but classic. I'm I'm not. I'm especially not thrilled about where this seems to be headed. Um, this is something that's been talked about for a while now. It's, it seems to start building steam and then just collapse. Uh, I mean, they'll, they'll get a director and they'll get actors signed on and then everything will just fall apart. But it's, they've got a new director. It sounds like he's already going to work on the movie. Um, and uh, his name is, he's an, an Italian director, so at least there's that. <laughs> um, his name is Luca Guadagnadio. Um, he directed a movie called Big, A Bigger Splash, which I think is like an, an Italian film. Um, so I'm not I'm not familiar with him, but he has signed on to direct. Um, he uh, this is from an interview. I didn't write down who it was with. Well, um, but he uh, did say the film by Dario Argento was very indicative moment was a very indicative moment of growing up for me because I saw it when I was fourteen. Um, that was something I didn't mention when we were talking, uh, about, um, when you're talking about vamp and just watching horror at a young age, like something I, I remember talking about when we recorded yesterday, but I didn't mention again is we had, um, uh, two guys from blood and gourd comic or the, the comic book uh-huh. on our show. And I can't remember what movie we were talking about, but it was something is like, Oh, you know, when I saw, you know, such, such movie when I was this year, this old i was like oh yeah i I remember seeing that movie and i was like four and you know it was just a casual part of conversation for me but everybody else was like why did you see that when you were four (laughs) because your dad was fucked up (laughs) i was like it's my fucking dad anyway um back to the point um uh yes he said the uh I, i think it changed me forever i was obsessed with argento through my adolescence my my version is going to be set in berlin in 1977 um, it's going to be about the mother and the concept of motherhood and about the uncompromising force of motherhood. What? No, it's about a girl at a dance studio. There's a coven of witches. It's, it's no, it's not. It's well, it's this. Yeah, I guess you you could say that. It's never really. I guess. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's really alluded to. Alluded to. Yeah. Um, it's just a murder thing where people are just killing the girls in these bizarre ways. It's nothing to do with fucking motherhood. It's, Oh my God. The fuck's matter with people? Uh, he says, it's going to be about finding your inner voice. The title is very evocative on these grounds. 
Now, I don't know what Suspiria means. Nothing. It means nothing. It's just a... <laughs> well, it, it comes from, I believe, a, a book or something, or a, a, a compilation of short stories or something called Suspiria Profundus. Um, what that translates to, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, he says the movie... It's by a creepy word. <laughs> uh, the movie by Dario Argento was maybe a child of its own times. It's very delicate, almost childish. I have a very strong interest in German literature and film, so I think my Suspiria will have the focus very strong on that moment of history. In 1977, when Germany was divided and a new generation was claiming and asking to recognize the debt of guilt that forged the new Germany after the war, the fathers who wanted to deny the responsibility, or war against the fathers who wanted to deny the responsibility. So, yeah, I don't pick up any of the original movie in this no, whatsoever. There's, there's nothing to do with the original movie except if there's a girl in it. <laughs> it's insane. I mean, there's no, there's no mention of a dance school. Like, probably the most important factor of the entire story. I mean, like, well, not important, but, like, the all-encompassing part of the story is that it is a girl that goes to a dance school. That's what the movie's about. I'm just, I'm just sad now. <laughs> yeah. Being I, a classic like that and just trying to contemporize it. It's stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. Um, Isabel Huppert and Isabel Furman are no longer attached. But Guadagnino, Nino, I have fucking Italian names, uh, claims he will make casting announcements soon. So look forward to that. But it has Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig in it. Oh, Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> Might as well. Every fucking thing else does. I just, I'm stunned. I mean, that was one you didn't share with me yesterday. And yeah, we hadn't gotten that far yet. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I'm pissed. Yeah, well, welcome to our lives. We actually have to report on this shit. <clears throat> some movies you just... Oh, fuck it. You just don't remake some movies. Jeepers Creepers Where'd you get those peepers? Jeepers Creepers Where'd you get those eyes? Gosh, y'all get up Had to get so lit up Gosh, y'all get up all right, finally, our, our last story of horror business, uh, Jeepers Creepers 3 is finally beginning production. Um, it's been, God, probably about a decade since. <laughs> it's been 23 10. years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but according to the rap, production is beginning in Vancouver early next year. Uh, Vic, uh, Victor Salva, who wrote and directed yeah, both the first ones, he's coming back. Child molester. Huh? The child molester. Child molester? Yeah, he had a, he got, I don't know if he's convicted, but yeah, he got... Popped in the earlier days before he was a more of a before he did Jeepers Creepers. You didn't know about that? No. Yeah, you got the for uh, <clears throat> I think he got popped with an underage hooker or something. I, I don't mean I don't want to say anything is going to get you know considered be slander here, but it, yeah, she he, was he, eighteen or she said she was eighteen. Yeah, he got he got convicted for doing something that was naughty with uh, with minors. Oh shit! And, I uh, didn't know about that. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, Francis Ford Coppola is also coming back as uh, executive producer. Um, Jonathan Breck is returning as the Creeper. Brandon Smith is coming back as Sergeant Tubbs. So a lot of returning cast. Um, uh, the film's going to show the events on the last day of the Creepers feeding frenzy. As a skeptical Sergeant Tubbs teams up with a task force of hellbent task, yeah, task force hellbent on destroying the Creeper for good. 
The creeper fights back as its enemies grow closer than ever before to learning the secret of its dark origins. I don't know if I want to know its origins. Uh, you know, I don't care. If it's a good horror movie, I'm all right with it. That's one of those movies that I can, they can make 20 of them. I could care less. You know, it's like it's just, I guess, yeah. you know, it's not that deep. It never was. Um, the thing is just human looking enough to where I'm kind of curious. I, I would be kind of curious if, if they never made it. I could, you know, I'd sleep like a baby either way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with, with that one. Yeah. I'd say it's okay. They can't do any damage to it. Yeah. If it's a total disaster, who cares, you know? Yeah, I remember the, you know, the first one was a theatrical release. I think the second one was back in the days when direct-to-video was still kind of a, a naughty word. Nowadays, it seems like that's becoming more and more popular than theatrical releases, but... Was that direct-to-video? Second I'm one? pretty sure. I don't remember. Um, but, uh, yes... Uh, Vic, uh, Salva said uh, writing and directing a new Jeepers movie in the first in over a decade is incredibly exciting um, for me and I believe Jeepers fans all over the world that have been asking for more um, what will go before what will go before cameras is Jeepers Creepers 3 is a new and terrifying chapter from the Jeepers universe we are bringing back the Jeepers or the Creepers truck and we'll be addressing the big questions about the Creeper what it is where it came from and why it does what it does so, I mean, I don't know if they're intending this for this to be the last movie or not. It was just from what you just read, it kind of sounds like it. It, it does come across that way. Um, <clears throat> and that's fine, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe if they're planning to just wrap it up as a trilogy. Oh, then... my my guess is that the uh, the origin will be something that's uh, in the form of a, of a creation or infection or something. So they can, then he'll manage to creator in fact the next generation <laughs> before he dies just in case yeah <clears throat> um uh anyway but yeah um so if it makes money they'll find a way right don't what it comes down to well, they'll remake it i mean fuck it yeah. <laughs> why not um okay so yeah that's all for horror business all we've got is some remains um you guys are all familiar with uh now that's what i call music those yeah yeah, uh, apparently now they're coming out with uh, now that's what I call Halloween. Uh-huh. Um, it's uh, from the same label, obviously. Uh, they previously released uh, now that's what I call Christmas holiday albums. Um, I've got as far as how many of the albums they've released in total, it's probably going to be hundreds. What at this th- point? No, that's what I call X. blank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that many of them? There's got to be. I was going to say about twenty of them. Do you think there's that many? Well, I mean, they they also like that's what I call country. That's what I call R and B. Okay, okay. So, I mean, got to be thousands of them or hundreds or whatever. Um, but uh, it includes popular Halloween themed pop, rock, and TV movie themes, um, like uh, the Halloween theme, um, Rob Zombie's Dracula, uh, O Fortuna from The Omen, um, Tubular Bells from The Exorcist, Don't Fear the Reaper. Um, bad things, which is the theme song from True Blood, uh, Werewolves of London. <laughs> Werewolves of London, yeah, <laughs> of course. That's on like every Halloween playlist. Um, Dead Man's Party, Oingo Boingo, uh, Monster Mash, of course. This is Halloween from um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, Seasons of the Witch or Season of the Witch. I put a spell on you, but it's it's not by um, screaming. Uh, no, not screaming. That's the wrong person. Who the hell am I thinking of? I put a spell on you. Who sang that? That's an old R&B song, isn't it? Uh, from like the forties or fifties? Like probably from the sixties or seventies, I would think. This is listed as Nina Simone, but I know that's not what it's, who sang it first. I'm going to look this up. This is what Taylor and I do a lot. We waste a lot of our time just looking things up. And so you have listeners that just sit there and twiddle their thumbs while you look shit up? Maybe. 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 <laughs> so there could be nobody listening. Or they're saying, oh, fuck these guys. They're not prepared. It's completely possible. I want to say that's an old R&B song from before I was born. Screaming Jay Hawkins. That's okay. Yeah. yeah but what's the year? 1955. There you have it. Okay. Well, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, then the Beetlejuice uh, theme song, uh, Ghostbusters by Ryan DMC, uh, Nightmare on Elm or uh, Nightmare on My Street by uh, Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Oh yay! <laughs> I like that song. <laughs> uh, pretty much every time we have a story about Nightmare on Elm Street, I always play that instead of the, just the basic uh, Nightmare on Elm Street song. Um, and then, of course, to finish it all off, Rockwell, Somebody's Watching Me. <laughs> you mean Michael Jackson starring... Starring Rockwell. Fe- fe- featuring some guy named Rockwell. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that'll probably... I think that's obviously coming out this sometime this summer. Or no, it's not summer. Halloween. Um, so keep an eye out for that if you're looking for a playlist for your party. Um, Elevator. Show we talked about before being hosted by Jen and Sylvia Soska. Uh, it's got a premiere date on the uh, Game Show Network of October 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific Time. Wait, wait, back up. Those two weird sisters that direct movies, yeah, the twins or whatever, there, yeah, they're directing, they're they're hosting a game show, yeah. It, I, so, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> let's explore this. After you admonished me <laughs> when I told you women can't direct <laughs> horror movies. <laughs> And you gave me shit at at, uh, at uh, Crypticon two years ago. Yeah. Now they sold out and they're doing a fucking game show on Game Show Network that Nana watches. I don't think they sold out. No, no. I mean, this this <laughs> this game show is like, it looks pretty intense. I mean, from what I've seen of it, there's not been a lot revealed about it because I think they want to keep it thrilling for the audience. But the concept of the show is that um, this team of, Four people, um, they are in a building that and they have to go down this elevator, and I think each one gets off at a different floor, and they have to complete these challenges on like in these f- complete like f- floors that are just terrifying. Like, uh-huh. I mean, just as far as like <clears throat> specifically what's going on, I don't know, uh, and whether or not it's actually going to be good, I can't say. When's this debut? Uh, October 21st. Really? At 8 p.m. I, I might, as you know, we run a reality TV free home here. Right. It's horse shit, all of it. That includes game shows. <laughs> I may actually break tradition and, uh, and watch that one. Yeah. It'd be, Just because those sisters are weird. It sounds cool. Uh, it's going to be an eight episode season, uh, and it's actually produced by Blumhouse. Really? So it's, it's got some juice behind it, mm. as ridiculous as it may sound. It does. <laughs> Make no mistake. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to give it a shot. Because I like uh, the Saska sisters and Blumhouse 
lets me down sometimes, but in general, I like them. Um, they so put you down sometimes? Let's me down. Oh, lets you down sometimes. Okay. So, yeah, uh, October 21st, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Pacific on Game Show Network. Check that out. Um, AMC, we've talked about this before, has actually ordered Preacher to a series. Preacher is uh, it's a comic book uh, about a, a preacher that's um, possessed by some kind of entity from heaven. It's not clear if it's an angel or something else, but uh, gives him the power to like he's, he goes and seeks out evil. Castiel, hmm? like Castiel. Well, he's he's not an angel himself. He's I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, that when you as you're describing that, it's kind of okay. We've heard this before. Oh, <laughs> supernatural. Well, this actually predates supernatural. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, preacher's been around for. God, I can't even say how long. Um, yeah, it's it's a really graphic comic. It's like gory and just really fucked up. Um, but anyway, um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are the ones that are developing this for AMC. Evan Goldberg. He's a Seth Rogen's like writing party, writing, writing partner. Okay. He's directed pretty much like all those movies that they made together, like super bad and you know, movies in that. And you know how highly I think of Seth Rogen right. in those roles. Oh uh, yeah. Um, anyway, but Seth Rogen, uh, kind of, informally announced this, uh, on Twitter saying, uh, preacher is coming to AMC. The beginning is nigh. Uh, for a little bit of clarification, Deadline uh, reported that uh, the order's for 10 episodes, and it's uh, looking for a May 2016 premiere. So um, if they can follow, I mean, there's also some pictures released, and it looks like they're kind of looking, like going in the right direction. Um, Dominic Cooper's playing the main character. It's uh, Bucky from um, uh, Captain America. Oh, okay. Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's playing the main character, main character, um, Joseph Gilgun, who I don't think you're familiar with. Uh, he's just this really crude Irishman, but he's playing a, a crude Irish vampire in the show. So it's really perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm excited for that and I'm looking forward to, uh, to May next year. Um, Cabin Fever remake, uh, is set to be released uh, next year which I think we all pretty much expected. Um, remake or a sequ- another sequel? It's a remake. Really? Yeah, a movie that's like 10 years old. <laughs> uh, and um, yes, it's uh, been acquired by IFC Midnight um, for North American distribution. Uh, apparently, despite previous rumors, it's not based like a shot-for-shot remake of the original. Um, Do they have Jordan Ladd in a black bikini? No. Fuck it, I'm not watching it. <laughs> um, I guess, according to the, the production team, it doesn't say specifically who, um, Eli Roth's script was used as the, the basis of what they're going on, but I guess like the death scenes and everything is completely different. I'll have to see that to actually believe it, because they've been saying for a while now that it's basically going to be the same movie. You know where that the original mist, the original one. I mean, that movie could have been scary as fuck mm-hmm. if they'd done it just a little bit differently, and probably a little bit differently would have been just show the agonizing, visceral death. Yeah, um, you know, of just showing this, you know, this necrosis that just is like 
un, unparalleled by anything ever seen before. <clears throat> and because uh, conceptually, you know, it was it was fine mm-hmm. what they did and, and how they carried it out. And I mean, I had no problem with the movie, um, but uh, just uh, I don't know when it came to the actual actually showing the victims. Uh, it got it got like they pulled back, like they were trying to. Oh, we better not go beyond you know PG thirteen on the uh, on the gore and the graphic, you mm-hmm. know, nature of the movie. Or, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, why make something that's supposed to be this scary and then just go half halfway on the makeup? Yeah, yeah, <clears> that's <throat> something I, I, I fix that and they might have a pretty good pretty good remake. Okay. Uh, I, I can't remember if we discussed that in the recording that we lost. Or if it was actually in our movie reviews, but um, talking about basically pulling punches and downgrading a horror movie to get it to a PG thirteen rating, um, just to sell more tickets. Um, yeah, we talked about that in the reviews. Uh, was it the reviews? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, what you folks haven't heard yet, you will. <laughs> won't rehash that whole conversation then. Um, but yeah, it's. It, it's stupid to me that they're remaking this. Eli Roth seems to like it. I uh, said it's a really fun movie. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I'll take his uh, opinion with a little more seriousness if I if I like Green Inferno. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's like the the sequel, the part three to Jeepers Creepers. I don't really care. Maybe yeah. Remake it or don't. You know, I'll yeah. probably see it. And. Uh, if they said, I thought the original was only missing one element. If they put that in um, without going, like we've said three or four times now, without going with a lot of social commentary in the movie, mm-hmm. not using it as an excuse for that bullshit, and just go just for graphic horror. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we'll see how it turns out um, next year. Uh, and the last story remains. Uh, those of you that enjoyed... Um, Chucky's Revenge will probably be more interested in this, but uh, Child's Play 7 could be coming along pretty soon. Did you see Chucky's Revenge? Or Revenge of Chucky? What am I talking about? Yeah, I, I don't remember, and if I don't remember it, and I did, then obviously it didn't resonate. With uh, me too much. It was, there was a girl in a wheelchair. Then ring a bell. Oh, well, okay. It was actually pretty good. It was kind of a return to... Really? Yeah, like the the first two movies. Because they got stupid. Yeah, they did. They got really dumb. But, like, almost entirely, I won't say completely, but the whole Bride of Chucky, um, Seed of Chucky, that whole element is pushed aside. Yeah. So that's a plus right there. Um, and, like I said, it's it, it really returns to... The helplessness, I mean, like, you know, as opposed to having a child who's essentially helpless in the world, uh, you've got a girl who, I, I won't go as far to say that somebody in a wheelchair is helpless, but somebody who's impaired, um, trying to protect their own lives against a murderous doll. It's kind of mm-hmm. the same general feel of it. Um, so it was, it was pretty good. If you haven't seen it, I would definitely check it out. No, um, no. But uh, Don Mancini said back in February that he was working on the script. Um, but And he also recently tweeted, um, how recently, I don't know, but I assume it was probably in like last week or so. Um, he said uh, that he tweeted that all good things come to those who wait. And he said, hashtag Chucky7, hashtag coming soonish. 
So we'll see what soonish means. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. If it can capture, if, if it can continue what they were building with Revenge of Chucky, then I'm in. So fair enough. Anyway, so that's going to do it for horror business. Um, we have no interview today. Um, I believe we do next episode, but I'm not positive yet. But um, since there is nothing left to talk about, um, we'll go ahead and just jump into our reviews. Okay, for our reviews, why don't we go ahead and start with uh, Sinister 2. when you boys watch stuff like that before bed, okay? So let's go, come on. It's not real, Mom. It's okay if it's not real. Do you believe in evil? Something otherworldly? Yes. You don't stop evil. You can only protect yourself from it. I'm worried about Dylan. Why? He's just different. <laughs> I have something to show you. There are references to Bagul across all cultures. Some believe that it fed over the corruption of innocence. Children, have you ever met the bogeyman before? No, of course you haven't, for you're much too good, I'm sure. Hush, hush. Bogeyman. There are always three things in common. There's a murdered family, a house, and some form of offering. What is she saying? It's coordinates to where a farm, where an entire family was murdered. Nobody ever comes out here. That was terrible what happened. It's the kids. He gets the kids. This one's mine. Your family's in danger. Why? He's gonna hurt us. I won't let that happen. All right, so Sinister 2 is obviously a movie from this year, um, directed by Syrian Foy. Um, it's obviously a sequel to the first Sinister, which I really didn't like that movie. You just don't like Ethan Hawke. That had nothing to do with it. It's just a dumb movie. It was the creepiest movie I'd seen in probably five years. That's insane. That was a <clears throat> genuine horror movie. The movie was entirely based upon jump scares, which are like the cheapest form of horror. <laughs> like Not it, true. Eh. No, no, no. When you see that fuzzy green film 
of <clears throat> the family getting hanged or the chase lounges being pulled into the pool uh, and into the, the soundtrack. But it's uh, simple but perfect. I don't, I'm sorry, man, dude. That that movie was very well executed for being a mid-range budget movie. <clears throat> anyway, so I actually wasn't even going to see this. We weren't actually going to even do it on the show. <laughs> uh, but my wife wanted to see it, uh, and we needed another movie for this episode. And I, I couldn't think of one, so we resolved to, to watch this. Um, now, made a fatal mistake, something I swore I'd never do again. And saw the movie like, what, two weeks before we actually talked about it. So I'm going to do my best to remember exactly what happened. <coughs> um, so this takes place, um, I guess I never, didn't really give a specific, it, about it, a year? After. I'm thinking it's probably more uh, three, four years because he's had time to go from house to house <clears throat> chasing down the bagul. Right. Burning down houses. Yeah. He's already established that. In fact, he may have even said how long since he re- retired from the force. He may have even said that. It could be, yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm thinking timeline had to be about three or four years at least. Okay. Well, um, it, it follows, jeez, uh, what's the guy's name? Looking for the character name? Or the, yeah. No. Wow. Well, something that didn't occur to me is like he doesn't appear to have a name. Well, he, he would his his character would be listed in. Uh, that's that's what I'm looking. at. I'm MDB, looking at a cast list right MDB, here. Really? Yeah, and it says ex deputy so and so. That's right. He was only referred to as deputy so and so in uh, in the first one. Was it, see, I another mistake I made is I was going to go back and and watch the first one, but I, I didn't do it. I saw it probably six months ago. Okay, watch it. <clears throat> Yeah, he was deputy so and so, but I'd, whether he identified himself, yeah, every castleist I'm looking at, he's just that's all he's identified as is so and so. We'll call him deputy so and so. All right. Well, uh, James James Ransone was his name though, his real name. Um, uh, he kind of follows his character again. Uh, he's the only returning character from the movie, aside from Bagul. Um, and like you said, he's been tracking these patterns uh, of killings he believes are related to Bagul. Well, if <clears throat> it was a really complicated scenario where someone who moved into the house where Bagul claimed a child mm-hmm. and then left again, right. the house they moved to, Bagul followed him. Right, yeah. So he was following that pattern and burning the houses down. Right. Yeah, that was his new job. Yeah. Um, that was a. I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. What's that? In that, Burning the houses down. Yeah, it's 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 the fact that the house was essentially what would follow people. I mean, it was yeah. That was kind of a clunky uh, 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 methodology in the first one. That it's not just everybody who comes to the house is tormented. It's they come to the house <clears throat> after the tragedy takes place, and then when they leave again, the next house they move into that's the new house. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it's it's kind of weird the the way that worked, but it was a, it, a little confusing. But I mean, that was I, I think that was an interesting take, or not an interesting take, but like um, uh, a new way of like continuing, um, like a lore and you know mythos. Yeah. Of 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 a, a creature, yeah, hadn't been done before. Yeah, um, but also kind of like the main characters in this movie are uh, Courtney uh, and her two sons, uh, Dylan and Zach. Um, don't really know exactly what's going on with them at first. It, it's very clear that they're afraid of being followed. So you, you get an impression early on that they're some kind of like fugitive from something. But you yeah, don't they're, know exactly. they're hiding out. They're hiding out from something. Yeah, um, not a real clear, clear indication what um, right off the bat. But you do find out that she's hiding from her. I guess not ex husband, but separated. Separated. Yeah. Uh, he's just a, an abusive prick, and mm. he's got some pretty far reach in you know different forms of law enforcement, mm-hmm. and so she's just been on the on the run from him and his friends that have the ability to actually drag them back in and mm-hmm. um and so Courtney and so and so's paths cross when he goes to burn down this farmhouse that they're living in. <laughs> um and uh, all the while um is it Dylan or is it Dylan. Uh Dylan's mm-hmm. having these nightmares about a family being burned alive. It's very similar and reminiscent of the, the, the movies, the super eight movies from the first mm-hmm. film. Um, and when he wakes up, he is basically haunted by these dead children mm-hmm. that are kind of, it's hard to necessarily call them victims of Bagul, but they're his, yeah, his captured souls. Right. But it, yeah, like, like, Calling them victims, I guess, wouldn't really be appropriate because they did it willingly. No, he influenced them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he influenced them. So, so he basically, yeah, captured their souls, and now they're his, sort of like his minions. Or mm-hmm. they're loyal to loyal to him. Right. Their families are gone. So, yeah. Um. So yeah. Basically, the 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 rest of the movie is about so and so trying to track Bagul and find out exactly what Bagul is and what the relation is between the children that are taken by him and Bagul himself and just trying to find some kind of pattern to to predict how things are going to go. Yeah, he's he's essentially <clears throat> the movie opens with him fully understanding and believing in this demon. Mm-hmm. Uh whereas at the end of the first one um you know, he's just basically, uh, as the first one ends, coming to the realization that these murders, whatever's causing them, are following the people as they move from home to home. Right. Like we described a minute ago. <clears throat> but it's never really entirely clear because it hasn't become clear to Ethan Hawke's character in the first one until mm-hmm. he basically kills him. Yeah. What's been going on. So the first one ends with the the, the, the cop, so-and-so, um seeing the pattern but not understanding it. And this one he has obviously determined he what the pattern is. Right. 
and uh, and yeah. stay, trying to stay in front of it and trying to keep it from proliferating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's got. You can tell, like, like you said, I mean, just the amount of work he's done kind of indicates that it's been a, a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, like, he has this hotel room where he's got those cliche like news articles like tied yeah. with string or with uh with yarn and you mm-hmm. know um so this has clearly like become his his life i mean yeah this is his new job yeah um and you know something i didn't quite remember he he really referred to as uh you know ethan Hawke's character spoke of him in very high regard in this one and almost as if they were like best friends and i didn't remember them being all that close in the, in the first one um, Hawk sort of validated him were his, you know, big ass sassy, uh, sheriff didn't. Right. He was just a, you know, underling deputy, go do your job, go write tickets. And, uh, I think Hawk by his nature was, was validating him. So he, you know, felt more important because he was actually latching on to something that had some substance to it rather than just chasing speeders and things. Right. Um, so I, I guess the real meat of the movie is just Dylan and his interactions with these ghost kids. It seemed like that was like really the focal point. Um, cause they're, they're, what they're trying to do is make Dylan one of them. Yeah. Make him basically kill his family. Yeah. So they become, he becomes one of them and that's where. In this otherwise weak movie, um, one of the uh, the hooks is when the older brother, what's his name, Max? Uh, Zach. 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 Um, <clears throat> comes and says, yeah, I see him too. Mm-hmm. You know? But why aren't they coming in for me? Yeah. I'm the one they should be coming to, to talk to. It's like, okay, well, they've been tormenting this younger brother all along, and it's the older brother who actually wants to be, you know, he's... He, you know, basically a future psycho. He's all fucked up in the head. Yeah, because of his whacked out, whacked out cop dad. Yeah, he really takes uh, takes after mm-hmm. his, his yeah fucked up father. And- yeah, abusive father. <clears throat> so, um, but something that the movie doesn't really uh, elaborate on is why the ghost souls, why the soul ghost children didn't go after him in the first place. <laughs> Well, I mean, that, that, that's kind of like. He was a willing participant. They went after the younger brother for. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I, I'm trying to tread lightly so I don't spoil the movie. There's kind of a twist in the movie with that. And like I said, I don't want to really elaborate on it because it be kind of giving things away. Um, we can talk about it later if you want, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's essentially the movie, um, as far as, you know, as a synopsis. Um, yeah, it's not, not too deep. It's not a real deep story. It was a, a flawed follow up. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I could take it. You didn't care for it. No. Um, you know, they had a. You know your your opinion notwithstanding, they had what I thought was a, a, a an original and well done horror movie horror story with the first one. It ended tragically. It ended you know in a way that lent itself to, to sequels if it made money and et cetera et cetera. 
<clears throat> I would have rather seen a sequel that just was more of the same. If you're going to do a sequel, just have it be another family going through the same thing. But unfortunately, you can't because you've already, you know, you've already seen all those gruesome uh, Super 8 movie or 8 millimeter movies of the previous families and you couldn't you couldn't continue without rehashing more of that. Right. So it has to be a time lapse. It has to be something down the line where there's been other new families that have been impacted by it. Um, <clears throat> but that one was just basically, it wasn't, you know, like you said, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, what do you call them? Jump out scares? Jump scares, Jump scares. Yeah. yeah, sure, there was some of that. It, but the upside of that is it didn't, it didn't pose too much drama. You didn't have to think too much about it. You could just sit there and be alarmed. And just yeah. sit there and, um, you know, watch the creepy creepy factors, you know, when the ghoul turns his head and when he's on a, on a monitor kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That kind of shit to me is creepy. <clears throat> um, the second one, though... Yeah, you can introduce some of those things, and they did. You know, some of those consistent, creepy things. But this one had too much drama, too much yeah. love interest. The whole thing with the, the with the abusive dad, I thought was was uh, disruptive to the story. It didn't. I don't think it helped the story. It just explained why she was on the run. But I thought it was. Uh, um, I thought it watered down what should have been a much better story. Mm-hmm. It's just the story wasn't good. In the bad story, you really can't make a good movie out of it. Yeah. Um, it. I, I, I thought the, the abusive dad seemed a little heavy-handed, but maybe, I think maybe it drove the story a little bit to kind of give a little bit of backstory to why these kids are so fucked up. But I agree with you on the whole romantic connection between so-and-so and, and Courtney. Um it seemed unnecessary, and it's like as soon as you, as soon as they met each other, you knew it was going to happen. It was pretty predictable in that respect. Um, and yeah, it just seemed unnecessary. Yeah, too much sitting on the porch talking, and too much, yeah. uh, <clears throat> too much of that burgeoning relation, burgeoning you know romance, uh, and and <clears throat> stuff like that. And it's just like it did bog down, it bogged down a, a, a weak movie, mm-hmm. a weak script was bogged down even further by this. Filler crap yeah. that uh, that went nowhere. Something uh, that I do recall from the first movie was that it was, or as opposed to this movie, is um, it was much less, much less of a, like an investigative story. This one was mm. is like basically driven by so and so, like trying to get in front of Bagul. Yeah, and that seems uh detrimental to a horror movie it is uh because it was a drama to me it was a drama with some scary elements to it it Mm -hmm. was not a horror movie it was a uh and the only purpose for introducing the grainy eight millimeter uh movie clips was the ghost killed children explaining themselves yeah think about it they had no other purpose for being in that movie the 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 films Mm mm-hmm now the films are, you know, that's like I mentioned when we first started talking about this. The 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 graininess, the the sheer uh, brutality, uh, and <clears throat> just uh, the the horror of them. Pretty yeah. creepy. They're pretty creepy, and, and and they 
I mean, some of those, some of those were pretty creative in the second movie too. The alligator one, that was awesome. I forgot about that one. <laughs> the alligators that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah. But it had no other than just that's what everybody expected to see. Mm-hmm. It had no purpose being in the movie, yeah. not the way they wrote the script. So yeah, basically went in and saw a drama that uh, when I paid to see a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, and as far as those, those Super Eight movies, um, while like like you said, the Alligator one that was pretty good. Um, what other ones were there? Oh, the one where she's burying her family out in the snow on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, that that was pretty good. Um, but as far as the creativeness of the of the kills kind of a drop off oh yeah um seemed like they uh so i i I think the most thrilling part of the first one were those movies those home movies Mm -hmm. and so i was as much as i was against seeing this i was looking forward to seeing those creepy (laughs) uh super eights um and it was just kind of a, a letdown in, in general. Yeah, it was a yeah, good, good way to put it. It was a very much a letdown. Yeah. But um, then I didn't go with any real high expectations because Sinister was a good standalone movie. It wasn't a big budget deal. It did. Eh, it made money, but it wasn't anything that people talked about for six months or a year afterwards. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> making the, uh, the part two was just a gratuitous, you know, latch on to something that, you know, studio didn't have to spend a lot of money on. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have any real high expectations of it, but unfortunately it didn't even meet the expectations I had. <laughs> so, And it was nothing that they did wrong. It just was a movie that shouldn't have been made. Yeah. And, you know, the the biggest thing about the movie, and, you know, we we try to have a rule on the show is we don't spoil movies that are less than 10 years old. All right. Um, but unfortunately the nature of this movie, it kind of spoils the first one, is that you know – one of the big mysteries throughout the entire first movie was who's making these films. Mm-hmm. And then you find out at the end that it's actually the, the children. We find out at the end of the first one. That's what, that's what I mean. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously continuation into this second movie, but it, it's kind of unfortunate because you, that added to the first movies that you didn't know. And now that you do, like you can't really feel fill that void. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You knew too much going into this movie mm-hmm. that, uh, and so it was going to have to be a really spectacular bunch of hooks um, that that kept it interesting. And I mean, yeah, actually, I, I, it was kind of boring. Yeah, you know, not because it lacked gore or lacked you know uh, jump scares or anything like that. It just it plodded along way mm-hmm. too slow. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I do not like Shannon Sassamon. Oh, I don't. I don't. Like I don't know either. why. I just don't like her. Yeah, something she, about her face. <laughs> everything she's been, and she doesn't do anything wrong. I just don't care for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's always come across as just kind of bitchy. I guess I just don't have sympathy for her. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and uh, the, that's, that's the problem. Is like you you, you got to get somebody sympathetic to play a sympathetic mm-hmm. character. <laughs> Well, you know, and like like in the first one, Hawk, you know, the guy was, you know, he was a broken specimen, yeah. trying his hardest, you know, looks like he's probably going to be okay, mm-hmm. um, but he's, he's definitely a flawed individual. Right. Um, uh, but he uh, he manages to manages to keep it together, and 
he's legitimately onto a big break. He's not full of shit. He's he's got a big break coming. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you you feel that that it's all going to hell because of you know this this demon he's you know he's he's happened upon. So right. But yeah, unfortunately, this is just one that uh, I just don't think shouldn't have been made. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a good, another gratuitous sequel, you know. You know, I'll compare it to like uh, the second Hatchet movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kicked ass just yeah. like the first one did because it was more of the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't catch him the first time. They sent another batch of you know uh, fresh meat in there to go get hacked up. Yeah, <clears throat> you 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 got exactly what you paid for. You got exactly what you expected going in. Right, just some more creative ways. Of, of exacting <laughs> brutality, yeah, um, and uh, so it was a good it was a good sequel in that respect. Mm-hmm. It delivered. Um, I don't think anybody expects sequels like Sinister Two or you know Hatchet Two or anything like that to be you know Godfather Two. No one has that expectation. Yeah, but uh, it would be nice to be able to come out talking about it afterwards, saying, "Wow, they really wrapped up." X, or they really gave more, you know, this could go on to three and four now because it was so, so you know, so much more new stuff revealed and too. Not this one. Yeah. <laughs> this one was one like, eh. Yeah. How much did I pay for that again? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, like seriously, like, I, I wouldn't have paid for it. Like, had we not, or had we not had um, free passes, I I would have been upset that I actually spent money on that. Yeah, if I didn't get to use my senior discount, I would have gone. So I would have been very upset. Yeah. Um, another thing that was really phoned in and almost seemed pointless was there's a reference to, um, is it, um, not Benicio del Toro. Um, he oh, was. D'Onofrio? Yeah, thank you. Um, a reference to his character getting killed. Well, he was killed in the first one, wasn't he? No, no, he just basically said, "Get the fuck away from him because this is a, this is one fucked up demon if it's real." And that was okay. that was the end. But apparently, what I gathered was that he connected some of the things that Hawk was feeding him, mm-hmm. and he didn't let it go. Like while the rest of Sinister One was going on, to its you know, tragic conclusion, he's off in the background doing something that, you know, is not part of the script. Right. So in part two, yeah, he basically, Bagul took care of him because he got too close. Right. Okay. To exposing what, uh, something in the origins of the demon mm-hmm. could destroy him. And so, the, yeah, that, like I said, that's that's referenced in that so-and-so visits his, his assistant. Yeah. Um, Who's scared to death. Yeah. And there's a, there's a ham radio involved, mm-hmm. um, but th- that whole element of the story clunky. It seemed like fluff. I mean, it yeah. was. It's like, why am I even watching this? Um, and it, it, at the time, it seemed important to me, at least. After the movie, it's just like, well, what the hell did that have to do with anything? The, they should have done something with it. Yeah, yeah. You bring in the ham radio. Okay, this obviously established some 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 <laughs> connectivity with. The origins of the demon. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, the legend on that ham radio, the, the the manufacturer's legend, I could swear is the Bagul symbol. That was yeah, I, I didn't even so notice So any of you that. that do happen to go see this, if you do, or rent it whenever you see it, pay attention to the red logo, the little emblem on the ham radio. I could swear it's the same. 
Yeah. I'd be curious to know if anybody else picks up on that. But anyway, <clears throat> yeah, it captured something horrible happening mm-hmm. with Dr. Jonas, I think his name was. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, whatever his character's name was, um, that ultimately killed him. And that's why the assistant said, fuck that. I'm not getting involved with it. He's terrified. Mm-hmm. You can have all this stuff. Right. <clears throat> and, yeah, it was just sort of out there. And it's like you're waiting for something else to happen with that. Okay, well, maybe there's going to be some something that ties this more with the first story. It didn't right. until that. Well, we didn't want to ruin it, but you know, there's a there is a connection that comes up later, but mm-hmm. it's weak. Yeah. So. Um. All right. So, I mean, any any final thoughts on this one? Well, um, you know, if maybe that <clears throat> was sold, it was green lighted based on you know the producer saying you said this was a movie that couldn't be done. <laughs> I think it was probably a movie that shouldn't be done. Right. Um, so no, I I, uh, I didn't I didn't hate it. I thought it was unnecessary, and I thought it missed the mark. Um, do you guys use a scale? Like yeah, we do. Uh, what, out, out of ten, out of ten, uh, five, five. Okay, uh, yeah, I think I'm probably about there too. Five. I mean, well, good production value, vivid colors, uh, well shot, cinematography was good. I mean, you go into the technical stuff. The sound was good. Yeah, all that was good. It wasn't dark. There was a lot of dark things you couldn't see what was going on, which mm-hmm. I always appreciate that. So that's why I give it as, as high as a five. Is that, uh, the technical side of it was actually okay. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I, I, when you when you put it in that scope, yeah. Okay. I'm mean, gonna say five. Just technically, it was it was fine. I mean, I had no issues watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the story was cheap, um, and. The characters, you just didn't really give a shit about them. That's pretty much it. Yeah, you just didn't care. And that, that, that's, that's a it's a fatal flaw for any movie. It's like you have to care, whether you hate them or, or love them, mm-hmm. you have to care about at least one character. <laughs> and I didn't give a shit about any of these people. Pretty much, yeah. Even kids. Yeah. I didn't care what happened to the kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you're supposed to feel sorry and be rooting for Dylan, but you just think he's a pussy. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no... No empathy for any of them. No, uh, uh, no sympathy. No, um, no vengeance. There's none. It's yeah. flat. It's just like okay, something's got to happen here, mm-hmm. and it just didn't. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess uh, fives across the board then. Mm-hmm. All right. So I guess now we'll do our 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 uh, second movie, which was Blood Sucking Bastards. <laughs> Please, can we talk privately? Just somewhere else. Don't call me Mandy. You guys put together the numbers for Friday's presentation yet? What presentation? Boom! Hey, you owe me 50 bucks. Hey, can I borrow 50 bucks? I'm making a pretty big announcement today. I think he's going to make me sales manager. I'm proud to announce our new manager of sales, Max Phillips. What do we sell here? Shake weights. Our mustaches. Yabinatrix. No, Michael. We sell dreams. That's my name. Our goal for this month. One million dollars in sales. And if we don't, we'll be forced to kill all of you. <laughs> so you better do what he says. <laughs> Max is cleaning house. We're going to get this place lean and lean, Theodore. Is it just me or is this office getting darker? 
And colder, too. Look. Oh, yeah. What the hell's going on right now? It's kind of a long story. I want you. I'm a virgin. You all are. <laughs> well, that wasn't a long story. No. Oh. We need your help. The entire office has been turned into vampires. 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 Vampires, yeah. Did everybody know but me? That seems that way. We need to arm ourselves. We need weapons. I was waiting for you to say that. Meeting's canceled. We are losing a lot of employees. This company sucks. Bam snack. Jeez, the vampire that takes a bite out of you is gonna be up for a week. Your listeners are gonna hear the neighbor dog. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking asshole dog. He'll be duct taped to a chair. <laughs> seems seems effective. Um, okay, so Blood Sucking Bastards, another <laughs> 2015 movie, um, just came out like earlier this week, I think. Um, got a limited fil- uh, like theater release, but it's mostly VOD. Um, but uh, it was written by uh, Ryan Mitz and somebody named. Dr. God. Yeah, I saw that. Like, I wonder how you come about that nickname. I uh, pretty much assume it's self-imposed. And- right. It's like, you know what? Call me Dr. God. Mm-hmm. That's my thing now. Um, and uh, it was directed by Brian James O'Connell. Um, main character here is Evan, uh, as uh, or played by Fran, uh, Fran Kranz. Um, only thing I can like right away remember him in was uh, Cabin Fever, Cabin in the Woods. Sorry, yes, that's wrong cabin, <laughs> different cabin. Um, the other guy was Cabin Fever, <laughs> right? Hey, there's a connection. Um, but yeah, friend Kranz, he very polar opposite characters here. He's a very in this one, he's a very just like timid. Almost straight laced, anal, anal, uh, office clown. Um, in Cabin in the Woods, he's just like the the slacker stoner. He did have a bridging role for a show, a TV show. I don't think you watch called Dollhouse. Ran for two or three seasons with uh, okay. Alexa Dushku, which is the reason I watched it. <laughs> sure, they could have been silent for my parents. But he was the now. Uh, <laughs> okay, if you. For listeners, if you can see this guy's face and his basically his persona, imagine this guy cast as the genius who created this brain-infused technology that made these women in dollhouse basically uh, puppets <clears throat> with some degree of free will, but basically there to carry out the whim of the dollhouse right um, i mean him as, him as the chief scientist was kind of a bridging role because he was somewhat anal 
and timid, mm-hmm. uh, but was more of a of a hippie mentality. Right. But somehow, you know, had like this, you know, you know, PhD from MIT sort of <laughs> brain that was working in there. Uh, Dollhouse. Like I, I remember the show, but as far as what it was about, it's like they they program these girls yeah. for for. They get them specific. off the street. They get them off the street because they have no, you know, they no self worth, and they mm-hmm. basically backhandedly sign an agreement that says that they'll just. They basically believe they're going into prostitution, mm-hmm. but it's much more far reaching than that because they train them. They basically don't train them. They infuse into their brain the ability to, right. for martial arts for it's kind of like <clears> getting in. Yeah, yeah, very matrixy. You know, getting in and. and you know, basically with a couple of keystrokes, uh, they become, you know, uh, uh, systems engineers for, you know, crazy right. supercomputers and shit like that. So they are actually working. They do some, yeah, some sex work. Mm-hmm. But they're also being, Dollhouse gets contracted by the government right. to go in and infiltrate like spies. Mm-hmm. You know, do uh, do the work that uh, CIA, you know, can't get it into. So it's it's all fantasy. Sure. But him playing the chief scientist is, was kind of a reach because you've never seen him before that. Mm-hmm. It's like, pff, be serious. Put him <laughs> this fucking guy. <clears throat> so anyway, he well, did have that bridging, bridging role between those two polar opposites. He did uh-huh. have one in the middle that lasted a couple of years where he was. Uh... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he plays uh, Evan, who, like, like you said, is very timid anal like very just concerned about his job he works at a telemarketing agency um where at the time he is the acting sales manager (laughs) um and is very convinced that his boss played by joel murray um is going to promote him basically take the acting off of his title and uh and kind of make him the head honcho uh his um his friend, played by uh, Joey Kern, and you know, it's shame Taylor's not here because we're both big fans of this guy because he was in this movie that we both just love. It's called Grind. It's a skateboard skateboard movie. Yeah, yeah. and he is fucking hilarious in that movie because he's just like his name's Sweet Lou, and he's like the cool guy. Like he just pulls pussy left and right. <laughs> he, he's like that, like that older guy that you're friends with in high school who like dropped out, and but he's like he's always got you know. So he's got beer and you know all, all the chick stuff. <laughs> he, he was that guy in this movie. Right. So we've like I'm surprised they even know his name, his real name. I just always refer to him as Sweet Lou. <laughs> anyway, because he was a dick in uh, Cabin Fever. Yeah, he's like just a real preppy <laughs> yeah, asshole. Pretty much. Um, but in this, he's he is like a, a definite just slacker, like yeah. guy who just sees this job as a paycheck. Probably not a very good paycheck, but. He and his other co-workers, they'll just come in and fuck around. Like, what, what, several times throughout the movie, they're just, like, playing this game where they're, like... <laughs> Throwing food back and Yeah. And it's, like, it's, at first glance, it looks like they're, like, juggling. Like, have, like jugglers will throw bowling pins or something at like, mm-hmm. each other. and um, But really, they're just, like, switching hands. Yeah, it's like, that's all they're doing. It's, like, <laughs> it's not juggling. It's, like, you're just throwing packaged food back and forth. <laughs> What's the point of that? Like we really got to incorporate fruit into this, um, but um, and then uh, there's also uh, Evans, I guess ex girlfriend Amanda, who's also the HR manager, 
And it's like you could maybe see that as being a positive but then also a negative at the same time because <laughs> if things go sour, then you don't really want to piss off HR. <laughs> yeah, you never want shit where you eat to start with, but yeah. when, when, the, when, the, when the subject matter is HR, <laughs> bad business. Um, she was played by Emma Fitzpatrick. She looked really familiar, but I looked at her at her work and nothing I would have. And nothing jumped out of me either. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought she was like really cute, but like I hate that hairstyle that she had. But something about her, I guess. Her pretty eyes and yeah, horrible it, profile. So um, Evan is really hoping, like I said, to be like fully promoted to sales manager. But suddenly, uh, his boss announces that they've hired a new sales manager, uh, who uh, is a character named Max, who also happened to be. Uh, an old college, not necessarily rival, I guess, but um, a college acquaintance of Evan and um, Tim. Uh, he stole Amanda from Max in college. Was that? I th- yeah, Evan, Evan won the Amanda contest in college. <clears throat> that's what I gathered. They didn't really elaborate on it, but that's where... The, the the bad blood seemed to come from. Well, I, what happened? What I remember happening is that Evan told uh, the college that Max cheated on an exam, and so they kicked him out. And that's that's why Max punched him. Right, but I okay because I got I got that too, but I also got that Amanda was with Evan. I don't After. think so. Because he kept referring to um, the mistake she made going with him when he he, all, he effectively dumped her. All right, well, I, I I could be wrong. I I don't I don't know. Regardless, um, it's a detail that probably yeah. doesn't really matter. He uh, they're, they're they're rivals. Let's say yeah. So he starts moving in on Amanda. Uh, and basically just doing everything possible to fuck with Evan, to ruin his life, and just make him really rue the day that he <laughs> fucked with him in college. Um, and uh, But all the while keeping a smile on his face. You know, he when they first interact after Max starts working there, um, he says, you know, the whole thing happened in college. I've water under the bridge as far as I'm concerned. Um and, uh, you know, Evan's obviously still really, like, wary about him. Um, so things start to happen. And it, it, to the viewer, it's revealed fairly early on that there are vampires in the office. Like, And it seems like slowly the whole office staff starts being replaced by these vampires. Well, people are becoming vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's again, as a viewer, you know who is causing this. No, right off. Well, because I, I kind of thought it was the uh, the janitor. That that he was the first victim. So. Yeah, I mean, there were times. I mean, it, it becomes very obvious that Max is the head vampire. It should come to no great surprise to anyone. <laughs> um, it's. I mean, it almost seemed lazy in that respect. It's like they could have used him as kind of a red herring. And it could have been the the janitor or um, what's their boss's name, um, 
Ted. Ted, thank you. Um, could have been him. If it was going for uh, a dramatic um, angle or true horror angle, mm-hmm. yeah, it would have been the red herrings would have been effective. But this movie's a comedy. Yeah, it's intended to be a comedy. So yeah, and it's it's a very goofy comedy. Yeah. It's not it's not a, a thinker. I mean, it's no, it did, but it had some funny it had some funny lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I had no issue with it. Um, so yeah, like all these. You know, people are slowly becoming uh, vampires, and um, Evan is trying to convince people that there are vampires, and kind of finds out the people are the people that are left already know. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 uh, they're not very good vampires, is really what it comes down to. They're, yeah, they're 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 bad at it. Yeah, um, except there's this this given acceptance that if you want organization and and uh, high output and high productivity in your office, vampires are the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, humans are just too, too, too flawed, too fucked up. But right. uh, yeah, you bring in the vampire element and man, oh man, you just get efficient. You just, you know, you start killing it. <clears throat> and that was, that made me laugh about the whole thing. It's like, oh, okay. Cause you know, being in an office environment, my entire adult life's like, oh, it never occurred to me. <laughs> if only would have thought of this sooner. Yeah. It's like, my God, it's, it would have been so much easier if it was everybody was vampires. Yeah. So but yeah, the acceptance was just comical because it's like, well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> everybody knows this, especially when 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 Tim, or when Evan finds out that Tim already knows. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, well, you know, I've I've seen some things, and it's like show that like he sees like uh, I thought it was a foot, but I guess it was just a shoe, um, mm-hmm. and he actually saw a vampire attacking another vampire. <laughs> <laughs> And when they actually discover that Max is a vampire himself mm-hmm. and like kind of like the head vampire, he was there too. <laughs> yeah. all, all the while trying to eat a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, the sight gags uh, were pretty good. Yeah. Um, and Kern just pretty much steals the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, I don't know how much of that was truly scripted and how much was, was ad-libbed. Yeah. You know, if it's done right, you really can't tell. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it was... Uh, the interaction with all these slackers that uh, are um, perfectly content to be <laughs> to be slackers, mm-hmm. um, and yet nobody's really noticing the fact that now they're ultra efficient yeah. and very pale. Right, <laughs> hairs combed, shirts are tucked in. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, uh, this movie was effective in, in being funny. Um, like I said, it was not trying to be a, like a highbrow comedy. No. It was, I mean, the, like the, the dumbest asshole could follow this movie. Um, and it, it really strikes home with anybody that's worked, really anybody that's worked in an office, um, regardless of what business it is, but particularly one that's populated by slackers. People are they're just there from, you know, nine to five and then mm. they're, they're gone drop of a hat. And that was actually something in the movie is like, uh, Tim would have like a timer on his watch for five o'clock. As soon as it went off, done <laughs> right in the middle of the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would just, yeah, he just put his headset down and walk out. But yeah, they're just, when they're playing networked video games mm-hmm. be- between the, everybody in the office. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, basically computers just loaded with porn. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like this is the ultimate uh, 
ultimate, you know, shitbag slacker mm-hmm. staff. And, uh, yeah, they did a good job of capturing all that, <clears throat> making it funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, the whole concept that, well, yeah, of course, if you, if you got to turn it around, you got to go vampire. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it, it was kind of, it wasn't polished, but it was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. Thought, yeah. yeah, I mean. <sighs> I was truly entertained for the whole running time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hate giving away spoilers, but there's not really any spoilers in this movie. Not so much. There's not really any kind of twists that you don't see coming. Well, there's one. There's one. The one that made the whole movie. Actually, it's not so much a spoiler. It's got Lillard. Oh, right. <laughs> if it's got Lillard, it's a hit. You know, when I was watching this last <laughs> night, and I texted Taylor, um, and I said, fucking Lillard for five seconds. What the hell? And he says, I know. I thought he kept thinking he was going to come back. <laughs> it was just like probably they caught him in the, in the, in the cafeteria or something. I said, hey, Matt, yeah. you got like an hour? All right. I see you're already wearing a suit. Yeah. <laughs> quick, quick five bills if you can just come over here. Looks <laughs> um, stupid. But yeah, something that, you know, probably the only thing that could be considered a twist, I guess, is that Ted knows about it. He purposely hired Max because he was a vampire. Was a vampire. <laughs> um, and, you know, his initial thought is that Max is in kind of maybe as the viewer, your initial thought once you learn of all this is that Max is strictly there to increase profitability yeah. like yeah. Actually, nothing else actually turn him into a real office yeah he's not trying to take over the world not trying to turn everybody into vamp- like the, the whole world into vampires just this office <laughs> um anyway but oh actually one thing that was funny that they played it up for some laughs that uh sticking the stake in the heart you know of course there was always that dying scene where they you know yeah <laughs> nobody, nobody quite understood that they're going to blow up after right. <laughs> after the first one. You'd think they would have kind of figured out, okay, they're going to blow up to clear the room. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's almost like they're a human hand grenade with yeah. like twice the five times the amount of blood in a human body. Yeah. <laughs> and they just didn't learn. Yeah, every time they every time they staked one, it's just like they just kind of wait around. It's like have you know conversations that are running like hell. Right. I thought that was funny. Yeah, and uh, the first time Amanda sees it happening happen she's like does that happen every time Evan's like pretty much yeah (laughs) um and uh god what else was um that security guard Frank just real militant like I mean referred referred he was just constantly on like always proper like military guy um and uh like uh Evan's name is Evan Sanders and he was called Colonel Sanders (laughs) And he's like, it's, it's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> Three quarters of the way in the movie. <laughs> Stupid uh, Kern. Yeah. Oh, I, ju- I just got that. It's Colonel <laughs> I mean, with nothing really identifying about it, it could just blend in the background. But then you combine it with something like the, the monotony and, like, the hopelessness that can come from working in an office. Um, but then you, come, you add the element of vampires into it. And I thought that was a really good combination. And something that maybe not a lot of people would have thought of. No, I thought it was it, that kind of what I thought when I was watching it. It's like, okay, this is something unique. Nobody else ever thought of this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, I went in with <laughs> virtually no expectations right. whatsoever. Um, and then when I saw uh, 
uh, crayons in it. It's like, oh, this actually has a C-lister in it? Okay. Well, at least they got somebody in here. And mm-hmm. then Kern, I said, oh, okay. So it's got a couple of couple of C-levels in here. Let's see if this goes, you know, maybe they actually got somebody who put some money into this thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, I was pretty much laughing within the first 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't just a constant laugh riot. I mean, it was it was punchlines. It was easy to watch. It was uh, it was fun. Yeah. Um great party movie. Sitting around with, you know, sitting around with a case of beer or, or yeah. you know, fifth of jack or whatever. It's just or, you know, just a bunch of guys or whatever. It's yeah, it's it's easy movie to watch, real funny. Mm-hmm. Um I said easy laughs. No expectations. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh Aside from just the copious amounts of blood used in it, uh, the vampires looked pretty cool. I mean, they were simple. Yeah, they weren't too bad. Uh, I mean, they weren't like, um, you know, like these over-the-top, you know, like facial mutation. Reminded me of Angel. A little bit, yeah. TV show, Angel. Um, They had kind of like that, um, you know, they had like kind of greenish skin, so it was almost a little reptilian looking. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of like, uh, almost like, uh, um, from dust till dawn. A little bit. Yeah. Um, quite but, as extreme, but yeah, know. but, uh, classic vampire look and they just had two fangs yeah. and they'd have a mouthful of razors. Um, but it, it was effective and they looked good. So that's, that's what counts is like, you don't have to go over the top as long as it looks good. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyway, so. I don't know, anything else to say about this? Um, yeah, it's a good it's a good renter, good VOD. Um, like I said, if you got a bunch of you know, bunch of people just sitting around, you know, getting toasted or whatever, um, it's nothing I'd have, you know, nothing I'd introduce it at, at the you know, uh, when you get the family over for Christmas or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for a weekender and there's nothing good at Redbox, um, and there's nothing good playing at the movies. Um, yeah, I'd pull this one up because it's a uh, it's definitely good for some laughs. Okay, so before we give our um, ratings, uh, Taylor actually sent a, um, a review of his own. So, I never liked that guy. <laughs> um, so why don't we go ahead and why don't we go ahead and listen to that and just uh, see what he thinks? Hey guys, Taylor of Terror here. I know you guys couldn't go a whole episode without hearing my voice, so I am calling in from a hotel room in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch Sinister 2 this week, just busy with a lot of traveling, as well as the fact that, well, I didn't have to, so I chose not to. But I did get a chance to watch Bloodsucking Bastards on the plane ride over here. Uh, I'm sure by now, Tony and John have given you the full rundown of the movie, and, and given their thoughts, but I just thought I would chime in with mine as well. Uh, this movie got a lot of hype at least that I saw on on Twitter and various social networks, uh, for being extremely funny, which kind of throws me off in a horror comedy because then I'm worried that they're more focused on the comedy and don't really show enough horror, or that the comedy comes at the expense of the horror, that the jokes are just slapstick kills, especially in something like a vampire or a zombie movie. But this one did a good job of balancing it out, I think. Um, It wasn't quite as funny as I expected. Not to say that it's not funny. It is. Um, It's it's got a a good cast of comedic actors, including Fran Kranz 
from um, Cabin in the Woods, who, although I think sometimes he's a little bit of an overactor, he he does play his role very well. He's a good kind of frantic guy. Um, also stars Joel Murray, who is, of course, Bill Murray's brother. He's been in Hatchet and um, various other horror comedy kind of movies. Uh, also Joey Kern, a.k.a. Sweet Lou, uh, who is just who is just fabulous? I love him, and he's got a sweet stash in this one. And he plays his role. Uh, he plays a character named Tim, and his role is just this like lazy piece of shit, do nothing worker, and he plays it to a T. Um, yeah, he's great. But with all the comedy in this movie, there's still a lot of really good horror scenes. The, the vampires, when they attack people, they, they don't pull away. They don't pull any punches. They show them sinking their teeth into their neck. There's a lot of blood in this movie, and I mean a lot of blood in this movie. Uh, and then when people kill the vampires, you know, again, they don't, they don't you know, show it off screen, and it's nothing that's alluded to. It's right there in your face, and you're seeing stakes and hearts, and you're seeing people getting you know, chopped in the head and getting their heads chopped off. And it's, it's good stuff. And there's, there's some really good effects in it. And the vampire makeup is also really good. It's very similar to Dawn of the, or, uh, from Dust Till Dawn, the movie, not the TV show. Uh, so yeah, it's all really well done. Really. My only complaints would be that at times I think Frank Krantz can be a little bit over of an over actor. And, uh, other than that, I don't have a lot of complaints. The The story moves along really well. Uh, the characters are all very defined. I love the character of Frank as well. He's kind of that, um, you know, more so in, in zombie movies than vampire movies, but you always have that one guy who's like ex-military and he knows exactly what to do. And in this one, Frank is that character, but he's the security guard at the office and you come to find out that as military-esque as he is, he doesn't actually have any military training. So that's kind of a fun spin on that. Um, like I said, overall, I think this movie is extremely fun. It's, it's it takes a little while to start to get into the action, but it, it does a really good job of defining who the characters are, what their roles are. And then when it gets into the action, it's just full speed ahead. Um... Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I I rented it on VOD, and I'm going to recommend that you guys do as well. It's definitely worth a watch, uh, probably multiple. Um, so my rating is going to be a... I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I've, I've as a horror comedy, it probably does the best job of balancing the two genres since... Shaun of the Dead. And if you know me, you know that's high praise. Not that I'm putting it on the level of Shaun of the Dead. Um, we've never reviewed Shaun of the Dead on the movie, but if we do, it, it may may be the, the, the only 10 we ever give. But uh, I'm going to give Bloodsucking Bastards an 8. I think it's a good balance of horror and comedy. The horror doesn't come, or excuse me, the comedy doesn't come at the expense of the horror the, the comedy comes from the interaction of the characters. 
which is you know similar to Shaun of the Dead in that it's not just slapstick kills of vampires or you know making fun of the horror genre. It's not just a comedy that happens to have some vampires in it. It's it's a legit horror movie for a good part of it, but there are a lot of laughs. So that's an eight from me. Hopefully Tony and John are carrying the show without me. Uh, can't wait to get back. I will be back next episode. So I will talk to you guys then. Until then, this is Taylor of Terror saying, Bam Snap. I forgot about Bam Snap. <laughs> it was like, it was, right. it was Tim's catchphrase that he was really trying to make work. He's trying to make work like, <laughs> like Spank. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Taylor had some fair points. The, 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 the horror or the, the comedy didn't really come at the expense of the horror. Good observation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to sell Taylor on a comedy horror. I, I, I watch as part of the show. I require that we watch them a lot. And I know he's not a huge fan of, fan of them. Well, he, he enjoys them to a degree, but he would rather just watch a straight horror since, you know, we're a horror podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I can't help it if that's what is coming out nowadays is horror comedies. Um, so, yeah, uh, eight from Taylor. Um, what would you say yours would be? Um, yeah, his, his, his points are well taken. Um, I, uh, he's a little more, a little more generous than I would have been. Um, simply because it, uh, it, while it was a good blend, it, it didn't really lead with either one, um, which is just a personal thing, personal criteria of mine. It's, it's, uh, it, uh, <clears throat> it wasn't a horror movie that had comedy and it wasn't necessarily a comedy that had horror elements and it, the balance is good, but <clears throat> I don't know how to describe that to the next person over, you know, it's like, no, no, no. You want to see some, some good, some good vampire action? Go get, go catch this movie. Mm-hmm. Or you want to see something that's just a gut buster? Go see this movie. Um, so it, uh, um, and uh, you know he he makes a good argument for an eight. I'm, I'm thinking seven, um, but I, I could probably be persuaded uh, to to go eight if I really have my feet held on the fire. Okay, um, I think I'm kind of more on in line with you as far as a seven. Um, I mean, I I really enjoyed it, um, and like I said, the the um, the minimal effects that there were were good, and you know the makeup was really well done. Um, it's like Taylor and I were on the same level, saying it was looked very similar to uh, from Dusk Till Dawn. Um, but uh, there wasn't a lot of vampire action. I mean, there were vampires, but they're pretty mundane as far as vampires go. I mean that that really served to the setting of the movie. Um, but I mean, there weren't like a lot of like vicious scenes, of, like you know, th- getting throats ripped out and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, something Taylor mentioned that I actually completely forgotten about is like all the all the weapons that they used were just stuff that they found in the office. Yeah, the arm off a of paper, yeah, yeah, cutter and shit. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like they took like a, a meter stick and broke it into, <laughs> into stakes, and um, so I thought that was creative. Um, and when you know, he said that see a lot of scenes of um, Evan, you know, he swings that paper cutter arm 
into people's heads and they just get stuck there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, there was a lot of, well, not a lot, but a, a good amount of gore, but as far as, like, the vampire action, you know, things I expect to see in a vampire movie, there just wasn't a lot of that. Yeah. Um, which isn't, like, it's it's not a, a damning thing. It's just, it, I knocked some points off for it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll, uh, I'll say seven. Uh, it was good. It was a good, funny movie. Uh, with some decent horror elements. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely worth a watch. I mean, I paid seven bucks for it on Amazon. I'd say it was worth it. Um, I'm sure it'll probably show up in Redbox at some point and get it for like two bucks. So, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd go with, uh, with, with, with both the guys and say it's definitely, definitely worth a watch. Yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for the reviews. Um, you know, usually Taylor and I uh, will do plot holes at this point. Plot holes is just something we started doing where he'll give me a list of words that I need to come up with. You know, like like an ad, a Mad Lib, like a noun, adjective, you know, pronoun. Mm-hmm. Just give me a list that I need to come up with, and I'll usually just come up with some really raunchy, gross words, <laughs> <laughs> and he'll fit them into the plot of a movie. So, but I uh, haven't prepared for that for this episode, so uh, we'll see a return of that on the next episode, I guess. Yeah, um, I'll leave that to you and Taylor. All right. Um, have you seen anything else good coming up? Um, uh, have you actually seen anything that's worth talking about maybe uh, down the road? Um, I saw a weird one last night. Not really a horror one, just fucking weird. What was it? Um, uh Escape from Tomorrow. Not familiar with that. Um, I only saw it because I, you know, was cruising through the Amazon that you let me sign on to. <laughs> That's right, Amazon two for one. Um, no, I just caught it because it was uh, it's Escape from Tomorrow, and it had like the, the four fingered Mickey Mouse hand. Oh, okay, I've seen with blood on it. Yeah, and I was like, what the hell is that? And I don't exactly know how this thing got made. Because they filmed it at Disneyland, didn't yeah, they? at uh, Disney World. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's a bizarre fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it's just it's bizarre. And a big disclaimer at the front, you know, says this movie is, you know, no affiliation with Walt Disney mm-hmm. Company or Siemens because Siemens uh, fit uh, actually uh, uh, plays very large into the into the plot too. Oh, really? You know, Siemens is a big worldwide, you know. Uh, manufacturing organization, right? Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, they. Uh, but it's yeah. This guy is. If you can envision being trapped at Disneyland and just being physically sick about the fact you just can't get out, <laughs> you can't you can't leave, and everything your life's just spiraling out of control because it's being con- it's you're, you're you're trapped in this Disney. Thing. It's fucking weird, yeah. Um, and it's 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 not horror. It's got some definitely some unnerving elements to it. Um, it's something I would have thought like uh, if it was a little more polished, I'd say it's like something David Lynch might have done. Hmm. Um, but it's uh, I, I watched it by accident. I figured it was it was like twenty minutes to one this morning. It's like I really need to go to bed. Yeah. It's like I'll see if this is any good. If it is, I'll watch it tomorrow. I sat there till damn near three o'clock watching it because it was just like this is too weird not <laughs> to see how it ends. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's all shot in black and white. It's shot at Disney World. 
I don't know if it's rogue rogue photography, but it's pretty polished. It's production's really yeah. really done well. This was not a handheld camera. And was like was it like the park deserted? I mean, where people? No, it's that's fully there? active. They're huh. they're inter, intermingling with crowds. Wow. There were some scenes shot when the place was empty, mm. which makes me wonder how that occurred. Yeah. Um, though of course they could have basically gone rogue and just. You know, had a production crew say, can you guys just step aside? We're shooting a movie here. Yeah. You know, completely unsanctioned by Disney. You know, and all you do is get people out of range. Yeah. And the place looks like it's deserted. Right. And maybe some of that happened, too. Um, But, yeah, it's basically this guy's life is just coming off the rails as it relates to what being trapped in Disneyland, Disney World, is doing to him. It's it's fucking weird. (laughs) Um, And I, I, I recommend it just for its weirdness. All right. Uh, let's see, what did I, I watched, uh, VHS viral. I don't know why I felt like, I guess I saw the other two movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't like them. You didn't like them? No. I, I thought, them. I thought one and two were pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I felt like I had to watch this one, I guess, just to complete the trilogy. Yeah. Um, it was kind of, it was dumb. It didn't make sense. And it, it like, it really spun off, like it, it, it destroyed the the thing that the first two had yeah. going for it. Um, and um, It was a movie that shouldn't have been made. Yeah, I mean, it's called VHS and everything's shot in digital. <laughs> yep. I don't remember everything about it. I remember thinking, I don't think I can make it through this movie. It's that terrible. Mm-hmm. But I loved one and two. Yeah, there, there was... There was at least one vignette in, um, in the second one that I liked. And there may have been one or two maybe in the first one. But other than that, just, and the thing about this is like bloody disgusting. This is kind of uh, um, a, a trigger for us <clears throat> because bloody disgusting is a is a genre website. Mm-hmm. They're like one of the very first like horror news sites, um, and they're kind of like made a name for themselves in that business. It's the opinion of the Grave Plot podcast that they have lost their way um, and have really just sold out, um, particularly their... So you're not looking for sponsorship anytime soon from these guys? No. <laughs> there was apparently... Like, they might be able to fund some good equipment that doesn't crap out after 20 minutes. <laughs> no, we're we're big fans of you know Dread Central and iHorror and uh, Arrow to the Head and like all the other genre sites, but bloody disgusting. We're just... We've lost our faith in them. Um, but they put their name on this movie. And they may have done the other two. I can't recall. But the fact that I can watch a movie and think it's so bad and they still put their stamp on it and just rave about it. It's like, oh, my God, you guys have sold out so hard. And it's to Lionsgate, too. I mean, yeah. Um, because, like, when shitty movies like Leprechaun Origins came out... <laughs> God, that's bad. They just like they had ads on their site yeah. and they raved about it and just all these fucking like um and then I think Nurse three D was uh was a Lionsgate movie too. And there were just There's a three D version of that? It was released in three D, so the two D version's actually the, the secondary. No, that was a nasty movie. <laughs> um but when that was coming getting ready to come out, they had just ads all over their site for that and just well, you know, that's revenue, too. Sure, but it's like, you guys are supposed to be journalists. 
since when? <laughs> no, I mean that. that You're was, running a website. You don't, there's no rules. It's not like it's a newspaper. Well, that's that's what it was based on. That's what this site was started on. It was horror news, and uh, you know, for them to start favoring certain movies because a studio <clears> that they have some kind of connection with releases it and just they just rave about the movie. It's like, how are you supposed to? gain a trusting audience when you do shit like that. That's just business, man. I mean, when they grow, <clears throat> and when those studios see that people are reading or listening or whatever the whatever the, the media is, um, they're communicating and people are listening to it or, or people are absorbing it. It's all about money. Oh, I, know, I, so I understand that. Surround them with, with new equipment. You know, you know, if you're in, you know, here, whoops, here in Seattle, hey, we, you know, we get you in a nice new... Uh, you know, place in the in the Pioneer Square or something. You know, just <clears throat> all I got to do is just give us a, you know a couple of favorable reviews. That's just business, man. Yeah, that's what they did. Well, as artists, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. No, I mean Taylor and I, we don't we don't subscribe to that shit. It's like if you if you start something that's supposed to remain unbiased, and I know that's that's impossible to find nowadays. It's like I mean, even just news, like legitimate news agencies. Um, that, you know, you've got Fox News on the right and um, MSNBC on the left and CNN. God knows where, uh, God knows where their heads are at. Um, I know, I know there's a bias, and it depends on whoever throws them the most money. But with something it's just simple as like horror movies and horror related news it's just like come on guys nothing simple if what you're saying or printing can carry an advertisement it's it stops being simple so <clears throat> as long as you and taylor are uh content and are successful with what you're doing and you're you're enjoying what you're doing and it's you know well i I listen to the podcast, and I, I know it's 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 something greater than a hobby, but it's something less than a business. Mm-hmm. I get you're in that soft zone, and you yeah you're you stand by your guns for your creativity and your opinion. Awesome. <clears throat> the minute you find yourself in a position where you need a a business manager, uh, or if something were to occur, some advantageous thing where you need an accountant, something like that. Those are the guys that start saying, hmm, well, you know, <clears throat> that soundboard you're using, man, get you a nice new one. All you got to do is I'm just going to put a little uh, just put a little, little banner ad down at the bottom of the, of the website. Yeah. Never even see it. You never even notice it. Yeah. We, you know, we, that, that's how this happens. There are, there are services available, I mean, to people like us that, you know, well, I mean, like, let's just say podcasters, like we're trying to look for a little money for new equipment or something. Um, there are sites that say that are available. It's like, well, if you put this coding into your, into your website, you know, there'll be a small like banner ad on mm-hmm. it. And, you know, however much revenue that generates, we'll give a percentage to you. Simple business. Um, we considered that for a while, but we just didn't want it. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't worth it to us to to have um, some kind of ad on our website. Probably something that had nothing to do with what what our what our 
format is. No, it'd be like a subway ad or something. Yeah. Um, but for that to be there and then probably not generate us any actual money, probably pennies on the dollar, yeah. if that. Um, it just wasn't worth it. No. So we, and, and, and so, you know, as long as you have the ability to, if, you know, maintain your your creativity. I'll see Maintain your creativity and uh, and not have to uh, seek financing like that. Yeah, more power to you. But there will come a time where those decisions will have to be made if this grows. Yeah. Continues to continues to grow, I should say. Well, the lucky thing about podcasting is it's a relatively low cost business. <laughs> I mean, you can see our extravagant setup here. Yeah, but you know, it's like anything else. Once you know, you start once it starts looking and feeling and smelling like, hey, this is something we could actually do and make money at it, you know, um, actually, I should say make money at it, do it for a living, you know, and I'm not saying that's ever your, I have no idea if that's your, your guys' actual intention or not, <clears throat> or create it and, uh, and, and, you know, you find someone else who wants to pursue it in, in your image, so to speak. And, you know, you guys move on to families, you don't have time for it. And someone else says, well, we'll pick up the torch and carry it. And you want to, you know, sell it off to them, whatever. There's reasons that will be thrown in your path, and this is not a, the point of your podcast to get it all <laughs> philosophical. But it's got you know decisions you'll probably have to make as you grow this, <clears throat> and um, that's you know unfortunately, funding doesn't come from talking about horror. Funding comes from advertising Subway, <laughs> right? <laughs> or uh, <clears throat> you know, or or you know. Uh, some shitty, you know, uh, Radio Shack or something. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like you said, you know, at the beginning of the episode, I did. Look at Facebook. The, hmm? Look at Facebook. What do you mean look at Facebook? Oh, just. There, there was a time where it was basically supposed to be just a means for dorky kids to talk to each other. Now it is the machine. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I mean, you heard at the beginning of the episode, I did that thing for Audible. Um, and, you know, we, we have several affiliates um that uh we we uh do those small advertisements yeah. for i don't know that it's i don't think it's actually given us any revenue f- as of yet but i mean it takes a couple extra seconds yeah. it doesn't really affect the the value of our show so well affiliates are, are <clears throat> what sponsors do your affiliates you guys should all be kind of promoting each other for the greater uh well, maybe affiliate's not the the yeah. right word for it then, but but, but a sponsor, you know, is someone who yeah is, is helping you grow your activity, yeah, and they're the ones that are basically saying okay, well, we want some love and back, mm-hmm. you know, in exchange for a check or some gear, yeah, or something, you know, <clears throat> crushing a rival, crushing a life out of them. But anyway, no more philosophical talk. Um, I have not <clears throat> seen anything that is of note other than that escaping. Uh, Tomorrow, Escape from Tomorrow, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, that comes immediately to mind. Oh, one I keep asking you about. You've never actually told me if you've seen it yet. It's it's just awesome because it's so gnarly. It's called Frankenstein's Army. No, it, it's running all over Encore right now, and and we have Dish, so we you know it's it's downloadable. <clears throat> it's um, it it's it's the general plot is it's World War Two is coming to a close and <clears throat> the uh the russian army is uh is supposed to go 
find a uh, platoon that, that, that disappeared, mm-hmm. a small platoon. But uh, basically the Germans have lost, and they are in uh, some part of uh, – I don't know if they ever actually say where, what country they're in. If it's actually – they're in Germany it's, it's, or, or in Russia, in part invaded part of Russia. But anyway, <clears throat> so they have to go find these guys. It's a small group of like five, and there is a uh, cameraman that the the Red Army said, go film these guys. We want to have a film of them being heroes, rescuing their comrades. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what they encounter is, you know, they come to what looks like just a, sh- uh, they thought it would have been a convent or something. In fact, it was a convent. And what they basically find in there is just this guy who's a descendant of uh, Dr. Frankenstein, mm-hmm. who has been using everybody he can, the nuns, German soldiers, Russian soldiers, to create these hybrids of, like, leftover artillery Mm -hmm. and soldiers. (laughs) So it's got these fucking guys with, like, like their heads are, like, Propellers and they oh, off, off, like a, off like a plane, you know, and and you know guys have got like these big old saws for arms. <laughs> Another guy who's like whose head is is like this little tiny core of a head that's like wrapped in this steel thing. It's got these big jaws that come and <laughs> like, bite other soldiers' heads off. It's like, fucking weird because these it's like who thinks of this stuff? <laughs> who would think of these bizarre creatures? Um, and uh, it's just so bloody, it's so much gore in this thing, um, and it's uh, it's just it's it's creepy and it's fun, mm-hmm. and um, it's just like no no expense is spared. There is no value to humanity in this movie whatsoever because it's all about survival against this insane descendant of Doctor Frankenstein and all these <laughs> fucked up things he made <laughs> that are just that basically they're killing machines. Um, and uh, but just the, the the creativity of how he how the, the 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 writer and the producers created these fucking hybrids of mm-hmm. machines and humans, and it's not a super big budget deal. Yeah, it's not. It's not Jim Cameron work. You know, this is just like guys. You know, they just slipped on gear, obviously, mm-hmm. but they're just creepy because they come out of nowhere. You know, and they got these like set of arms. They got these big long saw. <laughs> it's like, you know, another guy's like his whole head. Uh, it's like he's got the German helmet on mm-hmm. and uh, the goggles. Something about the fucking goggles with leather and the leather mask. Those mm-hmm. just freak me out. I don't know why. <laughs> they just do. Those just those things where you can't really see their eyes. All you see is their steel-rimmed goggles. Yeah, yeah. And it just comes to this point with this big, long drill on it. And he just fucking goes and just, like, drills people in the head and shit. It's crazy insane. And I just, I, I just love this movie. I've seen it, like, four times. <laughs> I highly recommend it to anybody who's listening. Go watch it. You guys do a review on it. Yeah, you'll, check it out. You'll love this movie. Um, yeah, just go Frankenstein's Arm. Netflix has it. Okay. Um, and uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a crazy, fun movie. Totally gory. It's out there, but it, uh, you know, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, yeah, it's crafted well. Um, effects are just really, really good. It's got it all. Nice. Yeah, let's check that out. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I guess it's pretty much going to do it for us for this episode. Um, next episode, we're going to be watching uh, Cooties. Uh, actually, this, this is going to be the episode that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Two movies that seem like it took forever to come out. Uh, Cooties and The Green Inferno. Uh, um, wait for that one. Yeah. 
A long time for that one. Um, we're also supposed to have a, uh, a couple guests on with us. I'm not sure that's happening or not. I don't think we've confirmed it yet. Um, but uh, it'll be a surprise if we do. So um, that's going to do it. Um, thanks again for being on the show. My pleasure. Had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Facebook and Twitter? Uh, well, you can keep looking. Uh, you uh, Let me know if you find me because I shouldn't be out there either place. <laughs> not a believer. Not a fan. All right. I can give you my Boeing email address if you want to write me a note. All right. Uh, so that's going to, like I said, it's going to do for this episode. We'll catch you again here in a couple weeks. Um, till then, I am Skeletoni uh, and signing off for Taylor and uh, my, my dad here. Um, and uh, this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all just a little dead inside. Oh,